Welcome to Spotcast, Season 3, Episode 6. And this week we're going to be talking about Lower Decks. And the name of the episode is Terminal Provocations. That's what we'll be talking about later on. But before we do that, we have some stuff to do. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by my co-host, Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And also on the line, we have Jonathan Kuline, Jonathan P. Kuline, Esquire, in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. Yeah, but we'll give the Esquire title this time. Well, I'm, I'm on. I, Since you are a man of, you know, you have you have uh, you know house and and um, stables and dogs and children and yeah, and and, and you know I, I do like to keep my uh, affairs in order here at the estate. So you know, mm-hmm. you stay in the Kuline estate. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's true. That is true. All right. So fact check. Um, yeah. So we were talking about raised by wolves, which you know it's fun. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but this is the second show to be called Raised by Wolves, right? The original one was from 2013, and I actually did watch one season. Of it. It's a British show about uh, these three girls raised by their single mom, raised by wolves, you know, and, and uh, the, the, you know, teenage girls. So, you know, you can just imagine the, the uh, things that happened there. Um, but this show, Raised by Wolves, which I was talking about last week, is produ- is directed, produced, made for television by the one and only Ridley Scott. So it's got that same sort of, you know, um, not not dystopian, but it's got the, yeah, there's, there's some dystopian in here now when I think about it, but uh, that sort of future look that he has with the, you know, nice shiny plastic you know people and as well as the rough and tumble you know earthlings and things so, so it's kind of an interesting show i don't know if you guys have seen any of it yet no i watched the trailer after you mentioned it last week and it's definitely on my to-do list yeah it's it's being broadcast in a very strange way i mean first of all like i said rogers here in, in ontario has been messing up the schedule so it kind of goes into this big three-hour block called to to be determined or whatever or tb whatever tbd um so it's kind of hard to find but then they, what they've been doing is showing episodes back to back right and then but then if they're not scheduled back to back how do you know what you're recording so sometimes I record episodes of Star Trek something or other and it ends up being one of these shows so it's been hard to catch up but it is it is actually I think it's also on Crave as well so you can stream it there but uh, yeah it's uh, so far I think we're six episodes in after like two weeks very strange yeah yeah I think they're doing two a week right I, I saw that yeah yeah back to back but but yeah but I think like I said it's only been a few weeks and we're already six episodes in so I'm not really I'm not really sure what they're doing to be honest is what i'm what i'm saying um it's on hbo max too in the state so i don't know if if hbo max uh like releases everything all at once or they do like you know two episodes at a time or whatever right they must be i guess right but then you know we can we can compare that to the previous episodes of spider-man and things like that and what, what show was it that was all messed up flash or something um or, or i guess the infinite earth stuff that it was all out of order and out of sync and things oh yeah because we were getting parts of it here in different orders yeah it was the uh, crisis on infinite earth thing they did last year yeah yeah anyway so the star of the show or the yeah this i guess he's the star is a, a gentleman named travis travis fimmel who played ragnar lothbrock on the vikings show and he was on for a couple of seasons because you know um forgotten lothbrock's son's name but he ironsides i think he's, he becomes the big you know viking leader and whatever so Roth, ragnar's in the in the show for three seasons i think um but travel travis fimmel uh some has some sort of connection to canada but i'm not sure where it is maybe because he was working up here doing working on vikings but he's actually australian so but he's got a very similar look to J- charlie hunneman hunneman um yeah so that's why i got get them too confused but yeah you definitely once you once you start watching the show you will not be confused at all that's it for the fact check 
Yeah, so I took in some of the Star Trek Day, um, and uh, I, I watched. I think I watched every panel, and then there's some sort of. I don't know if there's the other other videos or extracts, or whatever. But anyway, you can lead us into this one, John. Now that I've spoiled everything. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. So it was the eighth uh, of September was the uh, anniversary of the debut of Star Trek on television, 1966. So 54th anniversary, and to celebrate, we got a whole bunch of panels and uh, information dropped on Star Trek.com. It was uh, it was good. They they reunited a bunch of the cast for uh, for Voyager, for Deep Space Nine. Uh, they got the cast for Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, some of the cast from Disco. And um, yeah, they basically brought everybody together. Oh, Enterprise, they did an Enterprise reunion. And so they talked about, you know, big picture stuff on Star Trek. They talked about, you know, what does Star Trek mean? Uh, some of the things that have happened uh and that was nice i think it was a little bit light on sort of hard information except uh for what we already knew was sort of coming so we got another trailer a more updated trailer for discovery and we got an updated trailer for the second half of season one of lower decks there's obviously nothing to see when it comes to strange new worlds because they haven't started shooting yet but they did get the cast together and they talked about sort of how they found out and you know what it means and what they wanted to do and so that was kind of fun um they they jokingly said in there that uh if you think of the cage the original pilot for star trek as the pilot for strange new worlds this is the longest pickup in the history of television for <laughs> right, 54 yeah. years good good long joke yeah yeah so yeah the, the the biggest news that came out was around disco which is coming in mid-october and also for lower decks where we got a little bit of insight into what we're going to see at the second half of the season. So for Disco, uh, we got a nice trailer. The trailer sort of gets a little deeper into, you know, hey, they've, they've jumped forward 900 years. Uh, you know, we sort of see a little bit of some of the characters. Um, we got a look at, so you guys remember, of course, the, the short trek that they did where we had, uh, the one character who was stranded on an abandoned enterprise or enterprise discovery. And, uh, he was, you know, trying to figure it out and he was, you know, developing a friendship with the computer and stuff like that. That character looks like he's, um, appearing again. David Ajala um, is playing Cleveland Book Booker on season three. So he was one of the guests. And so uh, he talked a little bit about, you know, the character that he's uh, playing. And they also referred to this sort of ominous thing that happened that basically wiped out the Federation or drastically reduced at least the what the Federation is. Something that Book calls the burn when the galaxy, quote, took a hard left. Um, so that is going to be an interesting discussion. I'm going to open that one to you guys, too, if you have any sense of, you know, you want to put any guesswork to what the burn is. Um, there was also a funny little profile they did where they introduced uh, Book's pet cat, Grudge, who is a Maine Coon cat. They did a little, very funny little video where they showed how they how they get the cat to pay attention when they want to, like, have the cat look into the camera. And they literally showed two people standing behind the camera with cat treats shaking the bag. Like, it's it's exactly as... Yeah, can of tuna, yeah. Yeah, exactly as, as boring as you think it would be, like, to get a cat to pay attention on camera. Uh, but that was kind of funny. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it looks pretty, uh, pretty epic what they've got planned for Disco this season. Uh, did you guys have a chance to see the trailer? I, did, I missed the trailer. I saw a bunch of other stuff. 
stuff. Like, you know, um, I mean, if I could talk about that for a minute. Like, I, one thing that t- took me by surprise was how to pronounce Nana Visitor's name. It's Nana. Yeah. Nana. I always thought it was, I, I can't even say it now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was interesting. And then um, we got to see, it was um, uh, Jordi LaForge's daughter was doing some of the interviews. Yeah, right? Mika. Yeah, Mika Burton. Mika, yeah. And he actually, he popped on at one point during the, the conversation they were having with the Voyager crew, right? Or was it right? Yeah. Or was it Deep Space Nine? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was Deep Space Nine. And, yeah. and they sort of said you're on a, I think he might have been on an episode, maybe him and Picard, right, kind of thing. Because Worf was on that show as well, right? And, yeah, I don't uh, remember Jordy showing up in that one off the top of my head. but Yeah, but they did. I think maybe he directed or something like that. Mm, yeah. Maybe that's what it was, yeah. I, I think it's very funny that uh, LeVar Burton wasn't on any of the panels or anything, but he just sort of popped in because Mika was on uh, doing some of the... Some you know that you say that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was interesting, and, and also seeing our, our current show, uh, Lower Decks, uh, you know, section where um, the showrunner, I forgot his name now, did uh, talked about some of the Easter eggs and some of the upcoming guests. Yeah, Mike McMahon, I think it is. Yeah, so, in fact, one of the guests we he mentioned, he dropped the name of, was in this episode today, but... Yeah, yeah, so he, he showed a trailer for the second half of the season that had a, a few different sort of appearances, and, and uh, he mentioned that Jack McBrayer was going to show up at some point, and he, he may well be in a conversation we're going to have in about 15 minutes. And uh, he also mentioned Kurtwood Smith, who, uh, of course, famously played the... Um, chancellor, yeah. Well, he's the Federation Chancellor, right? In, yeah. uh, in Star Trek VI, and he's going to be coming back in a different role. Uh, so it'll be good to hear his voice again. Of course, very famous Kurtwood Smith for uh, uh, that 70s show and uh, and Robocop. And many things, yeah. Yeah, yeah Robocop, yeah. Um, but the biggest one that popped out of there was that uh, they mentioned that Q was going to be making an appearance. And, of course, they showed the little trailer and you see Q uh, in his uh, regalia from the pilot episode of TNG uh, flashing a port, uh, upon the bridge of the Cerritos. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was like immediately just, oh! Oh my god q and it'll be john delancey too or? and john delancey is reprising his role now apparently it's not going to be a, a long uh, it's not like he's the star of the episode or anything it's more of a sort of a i guess a joke or something that's sort of you know him showing up they dropped the q today in in the show but he didn't show up yeah they mentioned q a few times in tonight's uh episode but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they roll him in there but i'm excited that they're you know they're going into the bag of tricks and pulling out john delancey yeah yeah for sure did uh anything else jump out at you guys for uh, Star Trek Day stuff. I, I know, Jaime, you mentioned that uh, it was really nice to see some familiar faces and, and uh, you know, uh, Terry Farrell making her appearance again. And Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that was an interesting one uh, given what's, what's understood to be a pretty rocky relationship at the time that she left the show of Deep Space Nine. Do we Nine. know why she left the show? Is that a known thing? I don't even know how to recap it, but there were uh, issues with uh, the management folks who weren't too keen on having her uh, split some time with Becker, I want to say, was the the sitcom. Oh, she was on a different show, right? Yeah, that she was going to get a, a you know bigger role, and Deep Space Nine was winding down. That show was starting to wind up. I know there was other stuff that was involved, and I'd, I'd probably do a really bad job of recapping it. But that's where I was a little surprised that she um, had showed up for this one, uh, unless they were looking to re, you know do something with her uh, as an actress or a character or something somewhere there. So maybe it might have made well, sense. I mean, it's clear that they wrote her out of the story obviously because they had that other other trail yeah i mean they, they killed her off like they, they killed killed her character yeah so unless you travel in time you can't get and bring them back right yeah well that's the best thing about science fiction nobody's really dead 
Yeah. It's yeah, all just waiting to come ask around. Doctor Strange, right? Yeah, well, you know, I'll ask you all to uh, hold your opinions on the death of Tony Stark for a little while, because, you know. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> these are comic book-based movies, and nobody dies in comic books either. Right, I getcha, getcha, yeah. I mean, she was I mean, she was actually one of the better characters on that show, I mean, you know. She had a good evolution from sort of, uh, you know, she was sort of a little bit lightly used and, and really maybe not given her a lot of depth, she, you know. You know, obviously she's a very attractive person and I don't think they gave her as much uh, gravitas in the, the beginning stages as they did later on. But she definitely matured as an actor and as a character. Yeah, I, I thought the character was cool or too, because I mean, the whole concept of, of her and Cisco having, or him and Cisco, the, the old man and mm-hmm. Cisco having that relationship and yet being in the body of a, of a female, obviously. And then and then her relationship with Worf later on, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and marriage, I think, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so yeah, interesting stuff story there yeah. it was interesting that they brought Worf onto deep space nine actually too I, you think that was sort of a because he wasn't initially in the show no but do you think that was a patch to sort of get more viewers or yeah i think so because it had 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 uh tng ended at that point yes. yeah oh i see okay yeah because i remember it was sort of intertwined with the movies at one point they were like you know hey good to see you Worf, on vacation from deep space nine right yeah 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 was alexander on deep space nine too or is he off living with his parents and on earth uh no i don't don't remember him being there i think there was supposed to be some sort of estrangement i think he shows up in an episode but he comes as like an older person he's like he's like in his teenager or something isn't he oh and he's he's like mad at his dad or whatever yeah 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 some... that that old trope <laughs> uh, if we were if if only men weren't mad at their dad <laughs> yeah um present company accepted of course what did you what did you guys make of the uh, discovery stuff uh this this idea of the cataclysm that is hit the federation i don't know anything about it i i, I don't know if i watched the uh, discovery panel that you say that yeah or did i or did i i don't think i did i got that to look forward to hmm the other one that was kind of fun was uh they had will wheaton do the interview with uh jonathan frakes and patrick stewart yes uh, yes that was really fun because those three clearly really like each other and really care about each other and so it was sort of a kind of a love-in but it was also they were talking about the work and and the characters and stuff like that stewart patrick stewart was talking about how he loved uh, he's seen the first few scripts for season two of Picard and he's really excited and, and really excited to get right back at it and do some more and uh, yeah and Jonathan Frakes talked about filming the spoiler spoiler spoilers the cameo that he has in uh, the final episode of Picard from season yeah. one in Toronto too yeah like filmed it here in Toronto sitting in a chair in Toronto on the green screen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So they, they uh, cleaned up his hair and uh, made him look more Riker like and uh, yeah that was pretty fun while they were doing Discovery like he was up here directing right and yeah they, yeah he said they basically just took like two and a half hours they styled him up and then had him read up you know read the parts back and then forwarded it on and said here stick this in the episode so pretty fun yeah it was cool it was a good it was good sort of spoilers for those of you who haven't watched it but it was a good sort of um turning point you know in the in the story right? yeah well so it was telegraphed pretty good it was, when it was he almost says, it was almost like like uh, uh han solo swooping in at the end of uh episode four right yeah but the same way it was telegraphed right like they they he sort of says, you know, well, I still have my active commission. Like, you don't drop lines like that unless you're going to oh, really? pop back in, right? Said the guy who knows how to read these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Those, the rest of us just sort of sit back and eat our popcorn and wait for stuff to happen, right? I mean, you know, sometimes you do need the the brain cleanser to just sort of like occur. I'm definitely a big fan of like popcorn type movies and 
And I think trailers uh, and other fan type celebrations like this are pretty good for that too. You know, it's good to see fun things, but it's it's definitely fan servicey and uh, just try to enjoy. Wait, you mean Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father? Wait, what? 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 <laughs> First time hearing of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, it was interesting. It was an interesting idea for them to do it. I, I, we talked about in our previous episode that it was, you know, sort of the idea of these direct marketing things. There obviously was a lot of uh, Will Wheaton and uh, and Mika Burton staring into the camera saying, you can get all the episodes on CBS All Access now, or if you're in Canada, you can watch Don Crave. Like they were banging the drum very loudly for, for the promotion of watching uh, episodes and subscribing to services and stuff like that. But it was, uh, there was a real, you could tell like every actor from every show that they talked to, there's a real affection for one another and a real affection for, for the franchise. For the yeah. franchise. Like they really were talking about like, you know, oh, I didn't really know what I was getting into or I did know what I was getting into and I was scared and people really being honest about, uh, you know, how big this sort of universe of, you know, the history of it after all these years. Again, they had um, uh, George Takei on as well and he was talking about some of the sort of, you know, how excited he was to get on the show in, in the 1960s and what it meant to him at the time and, and Gene Roddenberry's vision and it, like it was really nice to hear all these people talking so, um, you know, articulately and, and and passionately about, you know, it's work, right? It's job. But they were clearly investing there. They all seem to have, have uh, had the uh, Star Trek Kool-Aid, you know? Yeah, it was interesting to sort of hear hear him talk about how, and, and, and you know, I mean, I didn't like it at the time with, with Enterprise, but again, how, you know, the original series would, you know, mimic stories that were going on in society at the time, you know, to the point where, the you know, the interracial kiss was even banned in, in the southern states and things like that. And, and his, you know, his whole career having to have been, you know, in the closet for a long time, right, before he was able to come out, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, talking about, you know, how the they were given the opportunity to rewrite some of the plot lines where, like, you know, in the uh, Naked Time, one of his favorite episodes, he didn't, you know, they wanted to do a samurai thing and he just sort of said, well, you know, this is like two, three hundred years in the future, you know, we're not going to be that stereotypical about, you know, Japanese culture or Chinese culture and, and uh, have him do the swashbuckling thing, which is something he picked he picked up from his own youth as, you know, watching Errol Flynn, mm-hmm. you know, um, run around and stuff like that. So that was kind of why why he has a foil and not a samurai sword, you know. So And I think that was, that you're, you're right, like I think he, his point was dead on that it's, it's nice that they didn't have to go to that trope. Like honestly, if they'd done the samurai sword, I think we'd look back at it pretty differently too. We'd be like, you know, sort of, you know, breathing through our teeth going, oh, I don't know, that's kind of really racist. Whereas you, when you see him bare chested, oiled up and running through the ship with the foil, terrorizing the crew, it's just a great Star Trek memory, right? It's, it doesn't have that undertone. Yeah, and also the, the comment he made about the fact that, you know, the episode, one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek, and, and I remember watching as, as a young kid, like as, you know, not, not initially, but in the reruns, about, you know, one guy's face is black on one side and the other guy's face is black on the other side. And clearly they're different, you know, and, and just sort of, you know, the, especially keeping with the times as we are in right now, that, that, you know, the color of a person's skin is not the measure of the man, right? Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Star Trek's always sort of been on that, that leading edge in that sense, right? And then talking about how the Ferengi were sort of uh, viewed, you know, as, as other, you know, I think they were talking to, um, uh, what's the name of the person who played Cork? Or 
Herman Shimmerman, yeah. Him talking. And, and of course, they showed the uh, the episode where um, where uh, Ben Sisko, I'm not sure what his name was in the episode, but he was a, a fictional writer, and they refused to write his story because the hero, the captain of the starship, was black. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the and um, uh, who plays Odo? Uh, René. Papa Jean-Louis. Yeah, he, he, um, you know, he you know, amazing actor. I mean, he, I, I, you know, I was a huge fan of his even before Deep Space Nine. And, and it was interesting to see, to see him, you know, act through that role with that huge makeup on that he had, right? Because such a distinctive character. I mean, I remember watching him on Barney Miller and, you know, shows in the 70s and, and movies. Benson, right? He was, he was the foil on Benson. Yeah. And then he, he was also, yes, he was. He was the, um, he was, you know, like Patrick Stewart brought a level of, of serious to TNG, he brought a level of seriousness to Deep Space Nine. And, and you know, as they were talked about it, you know, being coached by him in terms of how to be an actor and how to t- take on a role and things like that, you know. And and they sort of raised, they sort of raised the bar up for these younger actors to come in and, and you know, play these these great roles, you know, over time, right? Yeah, they said that uh, he, um, you could tell that it was a real love between uh, him, because obviously he passed away last year, between him and uh, Nana Visitor and who played Kira so they obviously had a really close relationship on the show and you could tell that they really fed off each other and that she really loved working with him and same with Armin Shimmerman obviously Odo and Quark were sort of nemeses and you could tell that uh, that Shimmerman just loved him and loved the work they, they did mention if, I think everybody said yeah Renee could be really prickly I think they used the word prickly like six times um, so it sounds like he was a bit of a, a curmudgeon but sounded like he was all about the work yeah it's, I mean good actors they really do raise the, the level of a, of a show, you know, mm-hmm. and and they sort of stand out. I mean, like I said, he stood out in other shows, like he stood out in Benson, he stood out in Barney Miller and that kind of stuff too, right? Because, I mean, you know, I was, he was like, for me, it was like seeing, watching Deep Space Nine, having him on the show was like one of the reasons I tuned in. It's was, credibility, right? Instant credibility. Yep. Or what do you call it? Uh, Bonafides, right? Bonafides, absolutely. All right, well, can we move on? Should we move on? I think or so. we just do a whole show about Star Trek Day? No, I think that was, that was a nice, nice little <laughs> recap of, of Star Trek Day. Anyway, I'm, I'm hoping this is something they do they do again i think this is uh it'll be interesting i didn't realize it was the actual anniversary because i think i've told you guys before that i remember my dad coming home and saying we have to watch this show yeah and flipping it on i don't remember what episode we watched and and i don't know if he ever really watched any more episodes with us again but i do remember you know being you know a seven-year-old kid watching uh the doomsday machine with my sister anita and saying because we to us it was like an ice cream cone that ate planets yeah yeah you know and but i do remember seeing that remember watching that one in the 60s you know when it was on our black and white tv right so and that may have been one of the reasons why we got a color tv too it was you know very shortly after that oh right? come on we both know it was the montreal canadians it could have possibly <laughs> been could have possibly been i remember my dad watching football and i had no interest in it you know to this day i have no interest in it but you know and and politics and news and stuff like that but yeah but he, he occasionally would surprise us with things like ed sullivan and and uh and uh you know star trek right nice. so, cool all right let's move on uh let's move on to the the rest of the headlines and, and yeah i heard about this story just like around four o'clock today yes my phone buzzed me and i was sad yeah so i was an avengers we, fan you know we seem to be uh in this cycle of having to report unfortunate passings this one again it's it's bittersweet obviously uh diana rigg was uh an amazing actress and uh very famous for uh originally in the 1960s playing uh emma peel on the avengers very popular uh, british television show and most recently, a lot of people would have known her as uh, she played Lady Olena Tyrell, the the, uh, the matriarch of this family on Game of Thrones. And-
and she was exactly what you were just talking about, Tim. She was gravitas on that show. Her acting is incredible in that show. She is just just absolutely commanding the screen when she's on it. And you know what? I didn't even know it was Diana Rigg when I first started watching on Game of Thrones. And I was huge. I used, there was only one reason why I watched The Avengers in the 60s. It's <laughs> appeal. Yeah, and, and there was another girl after her, but yeah, um, or on the new Avengers, I think, right? But uh, um, Dinah Lumley from Absolutely Fabulous, I think, right? Uh, anyway, um, that show wasn't nearly as good, because um, Emma, Emma Peel and, and uh, who's the guy who played the main character? What was his name? Uh, anyway, great show, but, and, and you know, it was it was probably like three or four episodes in before I realized or looked it up that it was actually Diana Rigg playing, and then I was like, oh my God, it was amazing, amazing uh, portrayal. And I was telling Carol just at dinner time about her role in the whole story, right? And right to the very end there, you know, when Jamie's sent to dispatch her, right? Yeah. And she has the last laugh. Uh, she is just, she's just incredible in that show. The The performances, it's the scenes between her and, um, one scene between her and Charles Dance, who plays Tywin Lannister. And both of them are just iconic British actors. And that is a master class. When the two of them are, are just using words as weapons, Weapons and oh my! It, it honestly, it still gives me chills. That there's only I think one scene where the two of them interact, but both of them again brought huge, huge, huge gravitas to that show. And she's just, just the best. They could not have picked a better person to play that character, who is of course this sort of scheming but incredibly clever uh, person. And and she was just amazing in that role. I, I can't speak highly enough of, of how much I enjoyed her performance there. Um, yeah, she was she was 82 and, uh, you know, again, a good long life, a, a long career. I think the first time I ever saw her, because I'm a little too young to have been an Avengers watcher, was uh, she was in one of the Muppet movies when I was a kid. She was in uh, The Great Muppet Caper. And uh, I remember thinking, like, you know, even in that, I was like, wow, who's this? She's, she's really great. I must have seen that movie, you know, a couple dozen times when I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, she had, you know, a career that, that spanned this entire time from the 60s right through till uh recently and you know again just uh just amazing just an amazing career uh of course she was you know um she won a tony award she won an emmy award you know she was you know a huge huge presence uh in in popular culture for the last 50 years and you didn't and she kicked ass on, on the avengers and she kicked ass on on uh, game of thrones yeah mm-hmm. so she will be very deeply missed i uh i was found that one hit me a little bit when i saw that okay you're up next i think Right. Yeah. So this one's another interesting one. So um, we talked in previous episodes about the Matrix being rebooted, Matrix Four, and the fact that they're bringing back different actors. And we spoke recently about the fact that Lawrence Fishburne won't be returning as Morpheus. And one of the other actors who will not be returning to this franchise is uh, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving, of course, famously the bad guy in the Matrix trilogy. Uh, he plays Agent Smith, who's very serious, and he apparently. Uh, he's, he had an interview with um, ComingSoon.net and he spoke to them and he said, you know, yeah, basically I was uh, lined up. I had been talking with Lena Wachowski. I was, you know, really interested in being part of this. And then, you know, as things were sort of getting closer, I was, you know, had some conflicts and we were trying to work out, you know, just trying to fit my scenes in with some of the, the stage performance that I was going to be doing. And in the end, they basically just said, no, it's, it's not worth it and, and didn't continue with him. 
him. Um, so he, say, he said, quote, uh, she basically didn't feel that my commitment to the National Theatre was going to fit in with the dates that she had in mind for me. Wow. Uh, it was a shame in one way that I couldn't be with them all in Berlin, but that was her call. So, yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't, he's not speaking nasty about it. He's not saying like, you know, F them for doing this. But he's he's saying, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie. I'm sure it's going to be great. But kind of a strange choice. I can see why if it depends on how they're approaching the film. If it's going to be a sequel, you could make the case that Agent Smith is no more. And so therefore not necessary. Although I think, you know, if there was any way to have had him included, I think that would have been an interesting uh, development for sure. What do you guys think of these these ongoing tidbits about the Matrix reboot? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of, um, I, I mean, what's the point of a reboot? Is it, is it to, like, if they're going to bring back Neo and they're going to bring back Carrie Ann Moss, then, then Trinity? they should bring back the other characters. But, I mean, like, how do you, you know, skinify Jonas Fishburne? Because, I mean, like, like theoretically, these, these, I mean, they would obviously age in the real world, but they shouldn't necessarily age in, in, in the Matrix itself. I mean, that's the whole concept, right? And, and Agent Smith, to me, like, I think it's almost like Agent, all of the agents should look like Agent Smith. I mean, that's part of the whole, you know, because they are just a program. They're just an instance of, a, of a, another, you know, thing, right? So, um, you know, I, I mean, I could argue object-oriented programming until the cows come home. And, and you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's another, it, it's another iteration of the same thing. It shouldn't be even portrayed by a different actor, right? So it kind of, it kind of spoils it in a sense. Like, like, where are you going with this? I mean, like, is this like Matrix 2.0? And, and if it is, is it like, you know, the difference between iPhone 6 and iPhone 7? And, you know, there's no more skeuomorphic. It's all flat and white. And, you know, <laughs> are we using materials to, you know, to, to color all the buttons and stuff, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm talking code. Jaime understands what I'm saying. He's snickering in the back there, I'm sure. <laughs> but, um, or is he? I don't know. I can't hear him. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's kind of, I think, I think it, it, they, they lose something if they don't bring back, if you, like, I mean, like we just talked about this with the whole sort of, you know, surprise appearances, you know, make, uh, make a franchise, right? Like, even if you can't get the actor for, for an entire day, you get him in there for two hours or whatever, and you put, you know, you put a green screen around him and put him in a Star Trek uniform and think, brush his hair, you know? Yeah, I don't know that they needed to force in things that don't need to be there again. If they've written a really compelling script that says, hey, it's actually better for our story if uh, Agent Smith is gone and we'll talk about that. I just I don't want them to be just sort of glossed over. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, yeah. if they don't mention Morpheus or Agent Smith's names, it'll seem conspicuous by its absence. Right. Even though it's okay to not have the actors in there. They had the problem with the Oracle, too, because she died halfway through the franchise. Yes, right? that's so, right. That's right. But, you know, by the same token, though, it's like The Matrix is one of those movies like A New Hope that could have stood on its own. It could have just been The Matrix and done. Yep. You know, I mean, as French, as as sequels go, they're not like Wrath of Khan great, you know? No, you, you could make a case that perhaps they should have ended at one. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, like even The Empire Strikes Back is, is arguably a better movie than, than most of the movies out there. But, you know, that was, that was an amazing sequel to an amazing movie, right? So, you know, often, you know, they, they do sequels to movies and you're thinking like why would they even bother like 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 it's just it sounds it's so much like a cash grab it's not funny well that's that's the problem that's the answer right the answer is always money yeah yeah i mean so you know um i mean jk rowling is is, is only going to have the eight movies or whatever it is for, for the seven stories or whatever that that she made or they made for harry potter and
and she's going on with other things, which is fine. I get that, right? Um, that doesn't mean I don't want to see another Harry Potter movie. You know, Harry Potter, you know, plays golf with Ron on, you know, at 60, you know, kind of thing, <laughs> but, you know, or whatever, you know, but, but, and, and I mean, like, as an example, I could just, I could just say, you know, two words and you know exactly what I mean about what's wrong with sequels. Holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that was clearly just them, like, saying, oh my God, we got to get out another album, you know, kind of thing, you know? Um, I think I'm in the same sort of vein as Jonathan. Like, it, it isn't strictly necessary, I think, to have uh, Morpheus and uh, Agent Smith come back. It's a little weird that they, you know, at least for Agent Smith, were, were looking to write that character in, and then just because of scheduling, it didn't work out. I'm like, well, then you better have a really good idea, because otherwise you should just wait, right, and and do it the right way. I mean, it's it's been, you know, 15, 20 years now. What's another year? Um, and I, I am kind of wondering... Like there's a worldwide pandemic or something going on that could prevent prevent you from flying the guy yeah, in. I'm, I'm guessing the Hugo Weaving schedule on the uh, theater performances opened wide up recently. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's a good guess. And uh, so we'll see. You know, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna knock it before you know give it an uh, uh, yeah an honest air assessment. But it's it's certainly not sounding great uh, at the moment. But you know, maybe we'll feel differently when they come out with a trailer and then we're ooing and aahing over that. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. What do you think, John? Yeah, I I think it's going to be fine. I, I think if you were in for the movie, if you were a big enough Matrix fan to have, for lack of a better term, stomached the second and third of the franchise, chances are you're going to be in for four no matter what. So you might be disappointed you're not going to get those two characters, but I think you were going to be in either way. I don't think their lack of being there, if they decided they were going to go forward and tell the whole story without Keanu Reeves... I think that would be weird. Although, again, you can make a case they could have just started from a different point and said, you know, yeah, that happened before. This is now what's happening. You do a real next generation kind of thing. Well, they did say that in, in the third movie. They said, you know, when, when Neo finally meets the architect, he sort of says, you're just another iteration of the same guy. Like, yeah. this has happened before. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, you could... At make... which point, there's no reason to make any more movies, you know? Well, that's it. I mean, you, you could make the case that, well, I mean, the whole the whole metaphor there is that he's breaking the cycle, right? But right, I guess, yeah. I guess the thing is, you could say, well, yeah, we don't need to make another, you know, uh, something else that continues the story after what happened. You could go a completely different direction, or you could... You know, again, you could focus on the children or the great-grandchildren or the next generation of Zion or whatever. There's always a way to come at it. But that being said, I'm glad that Carrie Ann Moss and, and uh, Ken Reeves are going to be there and, you know, leading this. And I'm glad, obviously, that Lana Wachowski is working on it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to not see it because there's no Agent Smith and no Morpheus. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, I think about things like Pandora's Box where, and this is where sequels come in and spoilers come in and things like that, right? Once, once Pandora's, once the box is open, you can't put the stuff back in and, and retell the story, right? Once you know, once it's been revealed, right? Well, that was the that was the best part of the Matrix. Frankly, was the marketing campaign around the first one. It was one of the first movies to leverage the internet. It was one of the first ones to leverage, you know, uh, the sort of the mystery, the 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 mystery box premise of the movie was what is the Matrix, right? What is the Matrix was the big buzz around that time. 
you know, we went into that movie knowing that it was going to be a sci-fi movie, but really not knowing what it was about. And once that plot point is revealed in the first movie, everything from it's like Survivor, right? The first time you watch Survivor on television, it completely changes everyone who's going to play the game after that, right? Right. Yeah. Because everybody's seen the game. Well, now we know what the Matrix is, so it's not the mystery of what is the Matrix. It's what's the mystery? Like, what's the what's the appeal? Why would you keep coming back to this? Special effects, basically, and popcorn. I, I mean, to be honest, I used to go see movies all the time with with a friend of mine every week, and and I remember coming out of a movie and going into like a record store or something like that, and somebody handed me you know a postcard with a picture of Morpheus and and Trinity and Neo on it, right, and just said the Matrix, and it was like and it was like you know come next week at seven a seven p.m. and get a sneak view of it. I didn't go, but but it was kind of like there there was a lot of on the street marketing too at that time, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was an interesting thing, and and you know I ran out and bought a DVD player right after seeing that movie. I mean it was like that was mind numbing. Well, right? and you're, you're absolutely right, Tim. That was I think it gets lost in the annals of history, but that was one of those things that was a game changer. Everybody went out and bought either a PlayStation or a DVD player because they wanted to watch the Matrix on, on DVD. Like that was one of the biggest influences for people moving to that generation of technology was this movie's amazing. I want to see this movie at home. Yeah. And that quality. And you needed a subwoofer for the very end there. So yeah. <laughs> All right. How many, what do you got for us? You know, speaking of trailers to go ooh and all over, we've got the uh, second trailer for no time to die. The latest entry in the James Bond franchise, which uh, as of this recording is coming to theaters in November. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Maybe here in Canada, it's coming in November. Yeah. Spoilers for, for <laughs> later in like, 10 minutes uh who knows what ends up happening to to movies in this in this crazy new era we're in yeah yeah well it's funny i just watched uh, imdb um i watched a whole bunch of like popular trailers and and this one popped up as one of the ones that i watched and uh what was interesting was it was also a tenant um trailer and the the caption at the end of the thing you know where you get the screen where it shows all the you know names of people who are in it it said where movies are being shown in theaters sort of something like that right like where where possible you know like you know your mileage may vary kind of statement you know yeah yeah trailer looks great though uh Jaime, what did you think of the the latest trailer it looks good um definitely no complaints there it's got me excited to watch another entry in the series um again we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with the actual premiere maybe maybe it'll be like on disney plus or something <laughs> yeah no that, that would be that's a franchise that would get people to pay i think to see right because there, there's a huge um sort of collector market of of james bond you know like that's that's another one of those um franchises that that you know you get people buying they sold watches and stuff based on you know with with you know different themes from different uh, james bond things i mean it's 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 obviously i think it's a bigger it's a big franchise bigger than than a lot of people realize right you know like how many of us can raise a hand and say i've never seen every single james bond movie even the bad even casino royale the original the original one yeah it was not it's not an original one have you seen casino royale the the one with woody allen yes yeah (laughs) the jokey one yes yes yeah that's the one where because he plays he plays uh the the bad guy i think i think is he i'm not sure if he's specter or whatever but yeah and david niven plays james bond right yeah 
I mean, Bond is ubiquitous. It's it's as we were just talking about the history of Star Trek. It's you know, it's fifty plus years of of more and more content. Some better than others for sure over the years. But yeah, Bond endures, and this one obviously has a lot of sort of hype behind it because it's supposedly the culmination of the sort of Daniel Craig era. Um, I think everyone acknowledges this is probably his last kick at the can. I can't imagine they wouldn't release it in theaters. I, I have a feeling if it's not going to happen in November, it's going to get bumped till next year. I don't think they were going to go streaming with it. That it just I, it's too profitable a franchise, and I think for a farewell to to Craig, I think it would be a real letdown to not be able to see it on a screen. Yeah, and uh, one question I have about the trailer, though, when, since we're talking about it, the, the where he, the line where he says, or they ask him, "Have you met the new Double O?" or "This is the new Double O," right? Was that from the first trailer, or was that in the last movie as well? That whole idea that there's a new new line of Double O agents, license to kill. I'm not sure, but in in previous entries in the franchise, and I can't remember if any of of uh, Daniel Craig's have had this. There are other Double O's, like um, Lisa. Double O six. Yeah, was there Double O six? Which one was Sean Bean when he faced off against? Um, uh, oh my gosh, I see his face. I oh, can't Pierce see his Brosnan. Name. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. He was a Double O as well, right? He was the Rogue one. Yeah, like Double O five or Double O six or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've they've talked about other Double Ages. There was um, oh, I want to say Octopussy. One of the other Double O agents gets killed, and that's sort of what leads them down the the rabbit hole of that that sort of storyline. And he, he has to go follow in the person's footsteps and find out what Yeah, that's why he ended up dressed right. like a clown at one point, right? Right. Roger Moore dressed up as a clown. Um, yeah, it, I, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they bring this all back together. All right, what's next? Uh, next up, well, speaking of, uh, we were talking about Star Trek Day and the event it was, and how that was uh, a big success on the heels of DC Fandom. So DC Fandom, which uh, happened a few weeks ago, is going to continue. They're going to apparently keep doing more fandoms. The one rule about fandom is you have to keep talking about fandom. <laughs> right. So they're going to do a second half where I guess in the first one they sort of re- reveal a bunch of stuff. This time they're going to include 100 hours of content from 300 panels and other video programming including quote major announcements um they're going to be talking about the blurred and Blu- blurred and bougie programming track celebrating black nerd culture um yeah it's like this huge event and it's it's this weekend it's saturday the 12th of september so unfortunately this will have come and gone by the time uh people have a chance to hear this but it will be very interesting to see what else comes from this we obviously got a huge drop of information on the first one we, they revealed a uh, new Wonder Woman trailer. We got the first look at the Batman. We got new video game stuff. There's all kinds of stuff. So I think people, now that they're aware of what Fandom is and what it can offer, I think people are going to be uh, maybe a little more keen to to jump in and see what they've got. You guys in for Fandom? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's interesting to this sort of, I mean, there is a very small part of me that would have liked to have gone to Comic-Con or may go to Comic-Con at some point in my life. I don't know, but, you know, I know you you were looking forward to going at one point, right? Yeah, I was supposed to go for work once, and then it got plug got pulled at the last section. It broke my heart. Mm, right? Yeah, and then the dream you know, isn't going. The dream is going on someone else's dime. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we have the same dream with WWDC, but that doesn't always happen. Um, yeah, uh, that's true. It's it's nice to go when somebody else is paying, but uh, 
which is why Hami does a lot of talking around the conferences and stuff, right? But um, yeah, it's it's um, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting to be to get an opportunity to be like to get to go to these things, even even after the fact to see to go back and watch them. Like you know, both Jaime and I were working, and, and I'm sure you were as well on on Star Trek Day. But we did I did manage to watch the the videos. I watched a couple just yesterday actually um, to catch, sort of catch up. And it's good that they're they're immediately available online and kind of kind of stuff. And I was looking today actually. There's even more content they've been putting up there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it's nice. It's nice to do this. I and mean, um, it's interesting to see when when um, and, and in, our, in our industry anyway, in, in the digital mobile development industries and software development industries, they're having these virtual conferences in the same sort of fashion. And and you know you you pay uh, for to to watch it, and then they hold back on the releasing them for a couple of couple of weeks and sometimes even months. Um, but it's it's interesting to be able to go to these things from the comfort of your chair, you know, mm-hmm. at your desk, right? Or, you know, watch them on your Apple TV or whatever, right? So it's kind of kind of cool. Although it's kind of funny because we, the other day, obviously they quickly posted a lot of the content you're talking about, Tim, with the, the panels and the stuff they did from Star Trek Day and the trailers went up onto their social feeds quickly and, and they did a good job of that. But in the moment, uh, I know you guys were both busy and I uh, had just finished work when they were showing that so I was able to sit and just watch. And uh, at one point they were showing the trailer for the second half of Lower Decks. I just grabbed my phone and pointed my yeah, you did, pointed yeah. my iPhone at the screen and made a quick video and threw it up onto our Slack page so that I could share it with you guys. And I was thinking, you know, yeah, you could make these things all exclusive as you want, but people will always do stuff like, like exactly what I just did, which is pick up their phone and record something, and next thing you know it'll be on YouTube or whatever else, right? Yeah, that's the nature of, of the day, this this time we live in, right? So yeah. everybody's a journalist even if you are a journalist john well that's i don't <clears throat> never mind <laughs> all right well you've been i know you've been waiting for this your whole life you know um that uh, you can finally crack open a nice bottle you know a vintage bottle 19 i think 2018 uh, vintage of klingon blood wine it's now being made available i'm just going to find the uh, name of the of the people producing this but um oh apparently there was a chateau Card uh, Cru Bourgeois that was available as well um, <laughs> from the Special Reserve, but uh, yeah, this is it's basically a Cabernet Sauvignon um, that you can get now. Uh, well, it looks like there is a still Special Reserve Cav- Sauvignon Blanc, which is the uh, special Star Starfleet Special Reserve, but of course the Klingon Blood Wine as well. So if you're into your, you know, want to meet with your Klingon mates and have uh, have some throwdown and you know and scream indiscriminately at the sky to yeah, warn people yeah. that this warrior is coming. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, or more in, yeah. My question about it is, you know, what makes it blood wine other than it's red? Oh wait, it'll sh- it'll ship um, September seventeenth, the Klingon Day of Honor. Ooh, there you go. See, blood wine bottles, Fortford, or oh, so yeah, Easter eggs for the fans. Blood wine bottles also feature four separate unique corks with Klingon proverbs. Mm. So pre-sale now, and uh, yeah, off you go. Yes, and you can get the United Federations of Planets Sauvignon Blanc Special Reserve too. Yeah, you can you can. Uh, Toast the uh, honored dead of Sto- Stokvor. Stovokor, yeah. Stovokor, yeah. And uh, yeah, off you go. Cool. Are, are, will you be ordering it? Can I expect this as a Christmas gift? I don't gift, know. Or... I, you know, I don't know <laughs> if this is like going to be available at the LCBO or not, uh, or, or at the 7-Eleven where Jaime lives. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> With its maker's mark style uh, cap. Yeah, the wax cap, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah, so that's that's the news. Where's the, where's the, uh, where's the price tag on that? I didn't see the price 
price tag. I don't know. It's it's you know you have to sacrifice your firstborn or something. I'm not sure. Probably. Yeah, uh, it's okay. It's not, not not a high price to pay. Um. All right. So uh, the next thing is in- interesting. It could have been on more than just code. It could have been on Spotcast. Uh, but this is an interesting story from uh, uh, iMore, um, which is a tech thing that we look at. And it's I was surprised by this, and I'm surprised I should have brought it up on more than just code. But you know, we talk about Apple TV and uh, and you know Apple's Apple TV Plus is a new service from Apple um, to go along with their their hardware device and and Apple making TV shows and we've talked about whether or not you would want to pay for um, these various things uh, like you know the the Hulus and the uh, Peacocks and all the different services the Disney Pluses and things like that but uh, interesting to to see that um, Apple TV only holds two percent share of the streaming device market you know compared to other devices that are out there I don't, did you know that Jaime that it's not quite even that big that one was kind of surprising but I, I think what's missing here as I'm looking at the chart is the context that this includes much more than just the dedicated streaming boxes where you'd have only a handful of competitors like Apple TV Roku uh, Amazon Fire TV and, and a few others um, but as I read these it largely lines up with television manufacturers and you know, a lot of TVs are, are are smart TVs that have streaming software built right into them. So like, you know, Sony and Samsung and LG have like, you know, the top 30 some percent and that sort of makes sense. And then if you see Roku that has 3% of the uh, shared devices, but Roku OS is much larger uh, at 5%. It's like, oh, well, yeah, because quite often somebody like a Vizio or TCL won't have their own software, but they'll just say, hey, Roku, will license your operating system to have our smart TVs. But it, it kind of makes sense when you when you see it that way. And I, and I think what it really speaks to is how much, you know, you just sort of expect a TV to be streaming capable, uh, kind of whether you want to or not. It, it's kind of hard to find some that are, you know, dumb TVs nowadays. It, well, even boxes, like somebody gave, somebody gave me a 4K um, Blu-ray player a couple of months ago and I, I stumbled across the menu the other day because I, I, I don't have the manual for it, but it also has streaming capability. It has Amazon and Netflix already built in, right? So apps, you know, basically. And it's kind of funny because, you know, when 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 PlayStation announced that they were going to start doing TV, I thought, oh, yeah, good luck with that. But when you look at how small the numbers are, it's pretty much anybody's game at this point, right? In terms of who's going to who's going to come out as a you know market leader, right? It reminds me of the, the days when we had MP3 players and, and Apple was, you know, had the iPod and it was sort of the premium device. And then, you know, and it was like two, three hundred dollars and out of most people's budgets right and um they started going after things with the, what do they have those nanos and um what were the the ipod things that had no screens on them uh, to go after the the mp3 player market right so it's sort of the same sort of model here i think in terms of what how people are consuming streaming television right like apple tv plus is only on apple tv right it is but apple tv is now available as a an app on um like we have a 2017 4 k TV and we have a 2018 uh, 4K TV. On the 17, I can't get the app, but on the 18, I can. So I don't need oh, an right, Apple yeah. TV to watch Apple TV or Apple TV Plus. I can just watch it on my TV. Okay, so yeah, I think they, they rolled out on Samsung or something yeah. like that. Last yeah, it's yeah. on Samsung. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's great. Like, I can watch anything that I have on my iTunes library or that oh, I yeah, so we can access all your music and stuff like that, too. I right? can access my music. I can access all of my TV shows and, and movies that I own. I can watch anything and it what all streams. Can you play apps on there? Uh, there are apps, but it's only a limited.
limited number of uh, apps, and it actually doesn't uh, it doesn't use. So there are built-in apps on the smart TV, but there are no specifically Apple. But apps. I mean, like like you can't download an Apple TV no. app. Like no, like for that you need to have an actual Apple TV part. box. You, you do or you don't. You do. You do. Yeah. When you're when you're getting the the app, the thing itself is an app, right? The one that you get on your Samsung TV is an app. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it's not. There's no memory to it. There's no other capacity for mm, doing anything gotcha, else. So, gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's smart of Apple to do that. And I, th- I think I've talked about this before with the you know the reason why the iPod. Took off and the reason why iTunes took off was when they brought it over to Windows as an app that you could use, right? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of opened the door for the iPod and eventually would lead to, you know, the success of the iPhone, right? Because, you know, the majority of people in the world, I hate to say it, are Windows users, right? So, and there's, you know, so, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, right? It's, I think it's a smart move. But it just, I was surprised by the, the, the low number or, I mean, because I kind of would have figured, I kind of wonder now, you know, we know Netflix is sort of the cock of the walk when it comes to streaming shows but i mean like prime is out there as a contender and now we have disney plus and and apple i would think i would have thought apple tv but you know who knows what do you think about which part i guess i got confused if it was on the service side of the streaming television services like where do you think where where do you think we are in terms of like netflix is obviously the leader in in streaming television shows right or content what do you what do you think the other players fit i mean do you think disney's got a good leg up or or getting i mean because of the, the the library they have or i think it's still kind of too early to tell um you know it's still so easy to to spin up a new service that you you do see them come out there and i think it'll and actually they probably are doing better as a as an ecosystem right now in the pandemic whether there aren't movie theaters and etc you can go out to so sure quibi why not i'll watch these things 10 minutes at a time why not i've got nothing else to do um once things get a little bit back to normal and some of these business cases stop making sense i think we'll see consolidation uh, just because of the power that Disney has, I just kind of expect them to be one of the survivors uh, hanging around. And, and Amazon, uh, very similarly. Apple TV, uh, as long as Apple doesn't lose interest in it. Um, and and there, I think there'll be others. Uh, HBO, I think, is, is doing pretty well. But uh, I think you'll see things like we saw with um, the, the DC Universe stuff where, all right, it doesn't make sense independently. Let's fold it in as part of uh, the HBO Max offering. Yeah, I, I think any anyone that's led by a deep-pocketed organization is going to obviously have a leg up you know you'd think that obviously it hasn't really made a mark on the zeitgeist apple tv plus but they've got so much time and so much money like they could do whatever they want so i don't see why it would go away unless somebody uh, higher up there decides they don't want it anymore like it, there's so much the same with disney plus i mean obviously disney plus was a very calculated move they saw the model they acquired the fox assets like they really put some thought into how they were going to do it that to me makes sense but i also think you know apple apple's got more money than disney like they if they want they could buy netflix and call it apple tv plus netflix you know uh, like that is the the type of game-changing move i think we've we talked about on the previous shows like we've kind of waited for something like that to happen uh, you know i think jaime you mentioned it before i think the idea of amalgamation is probably a logical one where you know we're gonna get so much diversity that i think we're gonna start getting you know uh, acquisition and bundling and different ways to sort of amalgamate these things so that you in the end you'll probably need to have two or three or four main ones but I think those will satisfy a lot of your needs. Cool. Alright, let's move on because we've got lots to go through still. Um, 
by the way, I didn't even know this show was still on coming up. Yep. So The Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, which I think all three of us have since given up on, uh, is going to be ending. So they are, I guess, going to do a an 11th season that will feature 24 episodes uh, and is going to conclude in late 2022. And that will be it. So there are 31 more episodes of The Walking Dead to come. And then they're going to end that. Now, that being said, that's not doesn't mean they're going to end Fear the Walking Dead. There is already this new series that's coming called uh, World Beyond, which we talked about on previous episodes. And there's also a story here that says they're going to do anthology-type storytelling going forward. So uh, for fans of Norman Reedus's Daryl or Melissa McBride's Carol, they are apparently going to do um, stories containing those characters debuting starting in 2023. So uh, Walking Dead is dead. Long live The Walking Dead. Apparently it's going to continue just in different forms. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of conclusion to this storyline in The Walking Dead, if it can includes in any way similar to the book ending or how that's going to all sort of come together if they're going to bring back any of the people who have left the show uh not that haven't been eaten uh the ones who sort of wandered off into the wilderness which has happened in a few characters over the past few years it'll be interesting to see how they decide to wrap this up but uh what do you guys i mean i know as i say we we all sort of wandered away from the walking dead i think the the snuff uh part of it was getting a little much for all of us <laughs> mm-hmm. um what do you guys think about the end of this yeah on <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of weird because it's you know this one's ending but they have all these other spin-offs so it's kind of like yeah. it's not ending in a way mm-hmm. just shifting to different characters is what it feels like it's funny because i just watched a bunch of like i said just a bunch of trailers before and two of the movies were um asian and uh, i think they're both on netflix if i'm not mistaken one's called uh, peninsula and the other one's called alive and they're basically just zombie movies you know like it's like oh look a zombie ap- apocalypse and no oh, i it's almost like Shaun of the Dead and, and uh, 28 Days just, you know, told again and again and again. And, you know, I don't know. It's uh, especially this year. It's kind of silly, you know. Mm. I mean, like, you know, the the Talking Dead show, which kind of started that whole sort of what we're doing right now, talking about a show after it's been on. But that whole sort of, uh, you know, recap. But one of the things they did in the middle of that show, right, you know, near the very beginning of the show was they do the, the you know, the, they say goodbye to the zombies that, or the the walk that what do you call them the walkers that um that they lost and they just show that the the blood and guts and and gore of them being dispatched you know and that right there is the reason why a lot of people watch these shows and it's just it, it it's sad but you know um i think how how do these people get out of these situations is is sort of the the, the idea of the show but you know after a while it gets tiring right and yeah well and i think the the jumping the shark moment for a lot of people was the season premiere where Negan makes his full, you know, uh, he and Lucille murder a couple of characters pretty brutally. And yeah, it's basically just an hour of just, you know, uh, rather intense uh, violence. And I think a lot of us were just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. So yeah, again, I think uh, it's interesting because I, I find myself when shows like this that I have fallen uh, away from and I find myself thinking, well, maybe I will when it's 
it's finished, sit down and watch the whole thing. Uh, that's sort of often my response, but I, I must admit, I when There's they no desire. I know. Yeah. I just I don't. I don't. I you know I'm not a huge horror movie fan. I'm not a huge horror TV show fan. I'm not a horror fan really overall. I've certainly seen lots of it over the years. I just don't find it to be a very satisfying genre for my tastes. Uh, I'd much rather watch um, science fiction that I find, you know, less grim. And um, I, I think it was just, you know, the idea of The Walking Dead as a show, as a comic, when I first started reading the comic and then as a show, the idea of how do you endure? How do you continue to exist? Not just how did you survive the apocalypse starting, but how do you continue to survive? I think that is a premise, w- premise well worth looking at. But when it devolves into basically murder porn, I just, I'm not interested in that i'm interested in the characters how do they psychologically deal with it how do they deal with the losses how do they deal with having to survive i I think that that as a human study is fascinating and that's what i loved about the book and that's what i loved about the show when it was at its best but to me where it had descended to was very much more about the gore and the horror and the the psychological trauma of it and it just yeah it just wasn't wasn't satisfying for me at all Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's such a fortunate thing because Jeffrey Dean Morgan is such a good actor. Oh, he's amazing. such a good human being. Amazing. Right? You know? Yeah. But to play that, you know, to, uh, you know, it's, it just, yeah. Yeah. Too much. Too much. Too much. Especially, yeah. Yeah, too much. We'll leave it at that. The other side of this is another, uh, well, another show ending, and this one not necessarily of its own volition. Um, the Venture Brothers, a, an amazing, an amazing cartoon series, one of my very favorite cartoon series, has been canceled by Adult Swim. So this one's a weird one because it sounds like there's sort of uh, different people telling different sides of the story. Jackson Public, uh, who is uh, the show creator's real name is Chris McCullough, um, went on Twitter earlier this week and said, you know, unfortunately it's true. Venture Brothers has been canceled. We're disappointed. Um, We think season eight would have been great. But, um, you know, yeah, it's over with. But then there was a sort of back and forth going on on social media and then through some different real releases it sounds like adult swim said that yes it was canceled but that they actually did want more venture brothers and they're trying to find a different way to do it and so it it seems like it might be one of those it's dead but it's not dead um i don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch venture brothers it's on hulu in the states here it's uh it shows on cartoon channel or comedy central i can't remember which one it is here in canada we'll fact check that for next week but uh i have all the the, the blu-rays and, and stuff over the years it's a weird series it's it's been around for almost 20 years right but they've only done seven seasons and oh, really yeah. so, so what's the gist of this is it two brothers is it's, it literally it's basically um johnny quest, johnny yeah, quest. it's johnny quest exactly. it's basically taking taking up the piss out of johnny quest and that's kind of how it started it sort of started as this sort of in the same ilk as the harvey birdman or uh some of the other shows they were doing at the time um c lab um it, it sort of was was mocking the genre and then it sort of evolved into its own thing and it's at times it is absolute satirical genius it is so funny and smart and dark and hilarious um you know it's just it's such a 
I think the fact that they did do only seven seasons in 20 years, I think they were really, really methodical about it. They really thought about what they wanted to do and the stories they wanted to tell and the characters and development and stuff like that. It was it was just really, really good cartoon making. And if if this is the end, it's a disappointing end because I think uh, it, it, it needs some conclusion. There's something has to give there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. Disappointed that this is the end. I can tell. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of trailers I saw today, I saw this one too. What do we got for us? Yes, we got our first trailer for Dune, the uh, Denis Villeneuve version of Dune. And uh, I mean, I think we're all fans. I think he is... Uh, well regarded now as one of the most visionary filmmakers that we have you know he obviously most recently worked on the reboot of Blade Runner which while I don't know that it was the best story I've ever seen it was incredibly visually engaging it was really really gorgeous and interesting to look at and to sort of soak in so having a little bit of the structure around obviously a story like Frank Herbert's Dune and knowing that Villeneuve is so passionate about wanting to to reboot this and do it a little more true to the Herbert storyline um, is exciting. And then when you see this first trailer, it looks pretty bang on mm-hmm. and also just grand and epic in a way that I think that franchise is maybe due. What uh, what did you guys make of this? Well, obviously, I'm still jaded over the or still scarred from the original Dune movie, <laughs> which, was, which was good. I mean, I watched it again. I, I started reading the book a little while ago. I don't know if I actually finished the book, but... Um, um, I found the you know Mark was disappointed that I had a hard time getting back into the book, but because um, he's a huge Frank Herbert fan, and um, the movie was okay, but yeah, this looks really good. It looks sort of you know um, grand, and I, I kind of wonder about some of the scenes in in the in the thing, and I hope it isn't going to be all about you know the the armies marching into each other and special effects and Lord of the Rings type battles, you know. Um, but yeah, when when the the uh, the creature shows up in the end, I'll just leave it there. Oh. Um, that's done really well i mean such an important uh important character in the story right so yeah and the scope of it like it just looks mm-hmm. big like it just looks grand on a scale that again you know that that movie whether you like it or not was done in the mid 80s and there are certainly things yeah. to like about it yeah. but when you fast forward 40 years and can tell that story or 35 years and can tell that story with all of the kinds of effects that we can do now and the kinds of ways to tell that story like it does seem like it's a more true vision like it is bigger in scope and scale Jaime, are you a Dune fan? I uh, haven't read the books. I am familiar with the movie from the 80s, which is, uh, you know, definitely of its time. And, and <laughs> I think I haven't seen it in, in decades, I probably. So it's it's probably got to be watched with uh, adult eyes. I'm familiar enough with the, the vague plot. Uh, this looks pretty nifty, and it was definitely a, a star extravaganza. I was like, oh my gosh, that person, oh, that person's in this movie. I was kind of impressed with the cast that they had uh, pulled together for this one. Yeah. So, the good news is we get this trailer and the trailer was amazing and I think you know it was definitely tantalizing Mm -hmm. but then we get a story from Deadline the same day that says you know hey I hope you're enjoying all these movie trailers
years because things are going to change. Oh, really? Because uh, we're still dealing with the fact that, you know, as as we, we sort of mentioned earlier, we're just not ready as a, a planet to be going to the movies right now. Like, small scale, you know, okay, sure. But for a blockbuster, for something that is going to, you know, that they want to make a billion dollars at the box office, nothing can do that. I mean, Tenet was not arguably going to make a billion dollars at the box office. It was probably destined to make a little less than that just because it's not a tentpole or anything like that. But it did kind of poorly at the box office so far. Just oh, did it really? Just yeah. based on the fact that they just it's, people are still scared and people are still not going to, you know, take the risks that are necessary to go see a movie right now. So it was not surprising that Deadline had this exclusive story that says that uh, with, you know, cities like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, major markets that are just not anywhere close to opening their theaters, that Warner Brothers is looking at moving uh, Dune out of what is its slot in December. And now they're looking at Wonder Woman possibly moving again as well. That's supposed to be out in, in only about three weeks. It's supposed to be out. I can't imagine how they can put that out in three three weeks no yeah. here in canada i don't think like to me it just seems like financial suicide like why would you do that to a franchise when you when you like obviously you you you've obviously marketed it you've got the trailers out people are are hungry for content again maybe maybe it's a premiere thing that you do on hbo max or something else but i just don't see how you're going to make the kind of money you want to make or do what you want to do with uh not being able to get it into the theaters properly especially in the united states and china like it just it just doesn't make any sense. So anyway, this the story says that they're gonna they're probably gonna have to bump both of these to next year. There was talk that they were gonna bump Wonder Woman back into uh, November or December, but then that would put it in conflict in the box office with Black Widow, which is Marvel's big female led franchise, uh, which may or may not be coming out. Which too. they're now saying that one may also get bumped for the same logical reasons. It doesn't make sense to have those things in the theater if people can't go or won't go well it's, it's interesting i was looking at um just for science i was looking at the uh the seating plan or the seating seating arrangement for some of the movies on the weekend like tenant right and i looked at the imax downtown one of them and they've got they kind of got the, the theater broken down into like you know every like you said every two seats and then a gap and then every two seats and and one theater i looked at was comp- was sold out for all intents and purposes not every seat was sold but you you know it was like a single person sitting in a seat that's designed for two like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I, again i mean are both developers i'm sure they could come up with an algorithm to sell the seats in a specific way unless they're going through and like on the ttc and putting you know pamphlet stickers on the the seat saying you can't sit here which is i I rode this the subway a couple weeks ago and that's what it was like you you couldn't you know there was a it's sort of you had a seat in the corner and then nobody next to you kind of thing and that was just sort of the way you you ride the, the transit these days and What's also interesting is that just tonight is the premiere, September 10th, of the Toronto Film Festival. Yep. And they're showing films in theaters yep. here, right? As well as digitally downloading and buying tickets and all that kind of stuff and watching in the comfort of your own home. But I, I'm, I'm curious. And they're going to do like a um, virtual, uh, they, do, they normally do like uh, sessions where they talk to the actors and directors and stuff after the shows. They're doing those, and you buy tickets for those, but they're doing those online too. Like there's a Halle Bell one either today or tomorrow and, and things like that but um yeah I, it's going to be interesting 
to see. Like, I, we'll we'll have to report back next week um, on how successful TIFF is, right? As well, right? Because I think it's one of the few uh, film festivals that's trying to go ahead. We you know partly online and partly with people in in seats. And I, I kind of wonder. I mean, they're doing a driving thing where you can you know drive up in your car and you're in this you know in your own own environment. And you know, like some of our places, I don't know if they're doing that in the states anywhere, Jaime, but some of our larger parking lots are doing you know sort of uh, ad hoc drive-throughs, right? Drive-ins, I should say, where you can sit and watch the movie in the comfort of your car, but, uh, you know, bring your own popcorn kind of thing, right? But I can't imagine going to the movie and not having a hot dog and a Coke and a bag of popcorn, right? So, mm-hmm. with my mask on. I mean, and and the sad, like, a, the thing about the single seats being sold is I'm sure that's people like me. Like, sometimes I go to a movie by myself just because I want to see the movie and, you know, you hate Tom Cruise, you know, so I have to go by myself. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, the, uh, people are going to go to see these films, but but the problem is, is the way that things are set up, it's a waste because now a person is, you know, stealing away other seats from other people, right? Who might or might not have gone to see that show, right? Yeah. But I can't imagine how they're making any money doing this unless they're charging $30 a ticket or something, right? Well, and that's it. So I, I highly recommend if people have the time to read this deadline story because it, it not only talks about, obviously, that the, the, the lead, the hook is that they're talking about bumping these things, but it really does sort of d- dive into where things are right now and how things may need to move and all these different productions that are scheduled and movies that are supposed to be coming out and and how things are performed they mentioned that tenet uh so some big uh markets in the united states opened tenet last weekend and it made 20 million bucks over 11 days it was it cost 200 million plus to make like this movie's like these movies will be lucky to make back their their cost plus their marketing budget yeah like yeah. It, it just it just again okay so maybe you take a gamble on a movie like tenet because it's again it is a little more niche you you know it's not necessarily the the thing but why would you waste a, a billion dollar potential earner in wonder woman or dune or james bond or you know black widow why would you waste those when you know you could make a billion dollars why would you put them out now and make even a hundred 200 300 like well it'll be interesting to see what how milan does you know because i mean notwithstanding the the story that's coming later but it'll be interesting to see how milan does as something that you pay to see at home now as opposed to waiting you know months and months right yeah and, and we talked about it again like those movies i just listed uh if they have if they did something similar to that if they whether whatever platform they wanted to put them out if they were like listen black widow is now a disney plus exclusive you pay 35 bucks in canada or 30 bucks in the united states and you can watch it as many times as you want for three months and you know or even extend it and we'll send you a packet of oral, oral record, record, record. Or Bockers, yeah, exactly. And you can, you know, watch in the comfort of your own home. Would you pay the 30 bucks? You know, I can make a case for it. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you've got a house full of people that would watch it too, right? Well, but that's, I mean, that's where Disney gets killed, right? Like, it's, the idea is you got the, the movie. It's like, okay, so great. I, you know, you pay the $30 and you get to watch your movie. But then, yeah, you invite over, you know, a couple people have a little social distanced, you know, uh, Black Widow watch party. And what could have been, you know, bringing in, you know, $200 at the movie theater is going to end up costing 30 bucks, And yeah, yeah. you won't decide, hey, I really enjoyed that. I'm going to watch it again. It costs nothing on that 30 bucks. You know, it's it, the business model right now just doesn't make sense. The common sense, it absolutely makes. I would much, much rather, you know, as much as I love going to movies, and, you know, you, all three of us are big movie buffs. We love going to the movies. We love the experience of it. I'd, I'd be much happier. 
happy you're not going to the movies right now, but still seeing new material. Do I want to watch Wonder Woman or Black Widow or James Bond or Tenet or any of these, you know, Dune on my TV screen first? No, I do not. But I really don't know what the options are other than putting them in the bank and holding on to them until there's a safe solution. And that could be years. Like, we have to be realistic. Like, yeah. would you be would you be okay with them saying, listen, we're not, you know, we're not going to put this material out. We highly recommend you download, you, we watch Disney Plus. We'll keep putting out content as best we can. But since there's no movies in the movie theater we're just going to can this stuff for now hmm. i don't know i just don't know how it works yeah it, it, it's it, it, well it's a tough time i mean what are they going to do not not make some like the thing about it is is if you if you as an investor have already spent the money and you already have spent the money to produce this movie um you know like we, we talked about chaswick boseman last week right and 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 how, how ill he was for the last obviously year or so but you know he would have finished he would have wrapped filming two three years ago and then they would have gone into all the special effects stuff mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that's how it works these days you know, you the, the actors do their bit, and then you know, months and months and months, even sometimes even years later, the movie actually comes out. So, for uh, a producer or an investor who's put the money into a movie, that's a big investment. They had no idea what was going to happen in 2020 uh, when they when they made the, the the original idea. It could have been five you know five years in the making, kind of thing, right? Um, you've got it now; it's sitting on the shelf. Um, if there's an opportunity to show it at, at an ad hoc drive drive through drive in or on Disney Plus, you you make that deal and you get some of your money back, right? Hopefully, because I mean, uh, how many movies are out there that that actually just completely lose money? Lots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear stories of this all the time about you know something that was huge budget to produce and then they they they're a flop. As I'm doing air quotes, flop at, at the at the theater, right? And then they, hopefully they live another life on Netflix or whatever. But because um, who knows what we don't even know what Netflix pays these people for these shows, right? Um, anyway, like you know what what do you you know it. I think it's a gamble, and they they got to put they got to put it out. I mean, like, what are you going to do? You're not going to sit on Wonder Woman for five years and wait for everything to get back to normal. Well, and the big the big picture of it is the really challenging part. The big picture is, you know, these movies are made by corporations. Corporations have bottom lines. The bottom lines are investors. That we're talking about tens of thousands of jobs. We're talking about people's livelihoods. We're talking about huge, you know, huge corporate uh, ramifications. You know, some of these things are what feed the beast and you can't not make the billion dollars that they need to make off that otherwise you can't fund the next thing so at a certain point it's going to become you know the model has to change somehow whether that is going to more of these you know hey it's available exclusively through our service but I mean you know if Disney right now like Disney's apparently having a bit of a tough time right now because they are uh, you know they had to close all of their amusement parks for a long time they're a very diversified organization but they also have a lot of things that are losing a lot of money. You know, there are companies... I'm sure, I'm sure they're glad they started Disney Plus, though, considering... I'm sure they are, and I'm sure they're doing quite well by that. But at the same time, it doesn't even come close to the money that they would make across doing a lot of the, no, the other no, things that they would do. True. You know, it, it's funny. We were talking about Apple earlier. You know, this may lead to a situation where places like Apple that are due respect to Apple TV Plus got their toe in the water. Yeah. It may open an opportunity for them to get deeper into the 
game because some of these places may not be able to sustain. You know, if you can't produce big budget, high production value things during this uh, pandemic, which could, again, as we talked about, could last for a long time, you know, some of those places are going to put themselves up for sale or they're going to, you know, like you're going to have to change their model. And so, you know, somebody who's got deep pockets like Apple could just be sitting there waiting for the first domino to fall, right? I mean, there are, there are there's stories all of, all every day about some big you know, institution that's that's shutting its doors, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a restaurant or a bar or, or you know, some, you know, companies, entire companies are closing up, you know, shop because they just can't sustain, right? They were retail empires, you know, and, and now there's no retail and they've, they're, you know, you hear about it all the time. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's some, a lot of fallout from this stuff. We, I don't think we were anywhere near the end no. of, of this story. But um, Yeah, I mean, this, this deadline story mentions just as a little, uh, very little drop in in this story they mentioned and amidst all these moves that there's loose talk out there that uh, Pixar's next movie, Soul, could go straight to disney plus hmm. i mean we already got that a little bit with the most recent one i can't remember what it was called it was good um the one about the two brothers in the van who go on the dragon quest yeah 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 uh I know what you mean it was you know it, it was pretty shortly after it had been in the theaters that it it was sort of rushed onto disney plus you know frozen 2 same thing like there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that just sort of got like quickly moved from one of the like well, hi man i think you talked about that last week right things normally would be a three month before four month turnaround where between when it starts in the theater and when it shows up on a streaming platform now maybe it's instead of being three months it's three weeks or whatever it is mm-hmm. but i just don't see how they can leave that much money on the table like to me it just seems like suicide well the money spent it's already spent that's, sure that's it is but, but is... the money that's been spent is also the money that as i said that subsidizes the next thing they take the money that comes out of making black widow it makes a million buck or billion bucks and they put that towards making the next one the moral of 2020 is this is going to be why we can't have nice things yeah like it's going to be that's just going to be the fallout right so yeah but then you know so you know maybe this is the era where television really does kill the cinema experience maybe people just have to accept that your best plan for the next few years is to buy a really nice home theater and the best content you're going to get or the bulk of the content you're going to get in the short term is going to be through paying for premium watching experiences at home yep Anyway, um, so the, this last one here, I, I didn't put it on the show notes for these, those of you transporting at home, but because I thought it would be a big surprise. We talked about this before, mm. this particular person. But Ryan Reynolds has come out with a new Mint ad. I don't know if it came out today. Mint is a service in the States, which Tommy can probably fill us in on. But uh, Rick Moranis was brought back from retirement. I think he retired in the 90s. And I think you've mentioned that before, John. That, that uh, Yeah, he wouldn't come back for the SCTV reunions. He wouldn't come back for the, yeah. for the um, Ghostbuster stuff. He... He said, "I'm done." Yeah, yeah. Apparently, well, the the the, the news is they were saying as, as I was waiting for you to, to finish here, they were I saw a clip saying something about him doing the "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" thing, but or appearing in a cameo or whatever. But yeah, it's just funny. He just makes a, a you know quick appearance on this this thing because you know um, Ryan Reynolds talks about you know in the Mint app, the joke is we've been waiting a long time for something like this, and and this is here's something else we've been waiting a long time for. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Mint is a mobile service in the states, Jaime. Mint Mobile, not to be confused with mint the intuit product thing yeah yeah um, yeah so mint mobile um 30 a month i think is a is a, a decent rate or a really good rate or whatever but uh it's one of those uh mvnos mobile vir- 
virtual network operator. And so they, they build on top of probably AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile's network. Um, mm-hmm. The idea being that hypothetically they can give you a, a lower cost product, presumably with sort of less of the handholding that you would get from the customer service for the, the bigger ones. I, I don't oh, I truly that. understand how it works to to, uh, to have you know the underlying mobile network make money while there is a low-cost service sitting on top of it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard of Mint Mobile uh, and, and was definitely very surprised to see Rick Moranis uh, make his debut, his return, I should say. So it's, yeah, basically it's unlimited plan offers talk, text, and data for $30 a month, which is, you know, speaking as a Canadian, a phenomenal amount of money, even if it's in US dollars, right? Yeah, I mean, we... <laughs> We uh, may have mentioned it in the past. I'm sure you probably mentioned it on your other pod that the Canadian rates are ridiculous compared to American, what the payments are for monthly services like that. All right, enough of the doom and gloom. Let's get to the point. This is the point of the show. We're going to talk about Lower Decks, the episode six terminal provocations and it's my turn to take the reins and uh, I, I struggled to watch this one because I was under the weather today but so I'm going to try my best to get through it so we see we start off with a gang in, in the lower decks in their in their um, their bunk area uh, which is a hallway I think if I'm not mistaken right uh, doing imitating warp sounds and, and it starts off with, with Boimler making a sort of whooshing noise and uh, they, they sort of say are you making like a warp engine noise he goes no no I'm making I'm imitating this and this is this is Voyager how Voyager sounds and this is how Cerritos sounds and they all start jumping in with their favorite uh, uh, whooshy sort of um, noises. And uh, as they do this, um, uh, Commander Ransom comes around the corner and, and suspects that they've all been taken over by some, you know, space virus and calls security and tackles Boimler and points a phaser at him. And, and uh, yeah, so and uh, it, that sort of that's the, the cold open, as it were. Right. And uh, turns around, uh, 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 Shax is doing a security log for, for this uh, episode at the very beginning. They're, they're in a standoff with a Drukmani junk trader who has got his eye on some abandoned Starfleet trash and um, they, so they say that we can offer you a, a finder's reward for this and, and uh, this leads into some you know some choice words being cho- thrown back and forth and eventually uh, the, um, the the junk traders uh, you know lock their tractor beams onto the, the junk and at the same time our captain grabs and uh, turns on their captain turns on the, the uh, their own tractor beam so the two of them are having like a little tug of war in the middle there and uh you know Shax is just chomping at the bit he wants to fire on them <laughs> right away and and uh captain freeman doesn't want to to engage she's being very star trekky and and you know very politically correct uh we flash back down to the lower decks and um we see in the in i guess in the what do you call it the place where they eat um fletcher this new character they've introduced i believe it's played by tim robinson i'm not sure uh is power scooping he's got his mouth underneath the replicator and as you know some sort of um, soup or something has been poured into his throat, um, and in this in the in the foray that happens, a mariner ends up bumping the doctor cat, which I can't remember her name, uh, into her nachos, and who's who's really annoyed and says, "Do you have any idea how hard it is to clean cheese out of fur in a <laughs> sonic shower?" So uh, she apologizes, and they they uh, you know they she says, ah, "I know you you're you're you ne'er do well, and why don't you go work at Starbase eighty? And they all go Starbase eighty. That's such a low blow. Um, and then you know she's throwing back 
track. I didn't I didn't know that cats ate nachos and and uh, so Fletch, you know, being the the pleaser of of all, he comes in and he hands uh, the doctor a, a new freshly replicated uh, plate of nachos with a special kind of cheese on it. And uh, as she walks away, he he turns to he seems to be like a sort of a pleaser kind of guy, right? And he turns back to Mariner and says, "Ah, it's just a cat in a coat." Yeah. So and Boilmer says, "Yeah, I met him. At, we met at the academy, and I remember, you know, he was always sort of watching out for me." And he goes, "Yeah, I remember the time the Nosigans wanted to eat your heart, and yeah, you convinced them it'd be better to spit in my face." <laughs> ah, you know, lucky I was lucky you were there, right? So and uh, he he makes a comment about, you know, it, it, it is okay about the doctor. He says everybody has some good in them in Starfleet, even Boimler, and they all go ha 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 and laugh, 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 right? Um, so Tenny, Ten, Tenny, is that Tenny? Tenny, name? Tenny, Tenny, and Rutherford are talking, are wondering what's in the cargo, and they're, they're sort of speculating on what could be in there. And and uh, Rutherford says, yeah, we'll just we'll probably just have a spacewalk to walk over and catalog the stuff. And and Tendi goes, spacewalk, really nervously, and uh, she admits to uh, to um, Rutherford that she never finished her spacewalk at unit at the academy when she was in training. And you know, why didn't I confess? And you know, she, they gave me a B, and I never said anything about it. And he goes, oh, it's pretty simple. You just float in magnet, float in magnet. And uh, he offers that he's got a holodeck program where they can go and uh, he can he can um, train her on how to do how to do the the spacewalk. And you know, it's not just for hanging out with famous people. And he rattles off like you know Leonardo da Vinci and um, all the characters you've you've seen on in the holodeck over the yeah, years. Stephen Hawking, yeah, Stephen Hawking, yeah. and yeah, Socrates and yeah. all that kind of stuff, and yeah, so on and so forth. Um, and then so they're cleaning cores out of these these uh, cores. And uh, Mariner asks, "Why would you call something a core when there are like a million of them and they're replacing all these chips in them? And they're they're going to miss the choo choo dance, which they want to go to. And of course, you know, Fletcher being the pleaser says, "Well, why don't you guys go to? I'll finish up all this work, and you guys can just." go get your choo-choo on and so they run off to the to the dance and with that with the rest of the lower decks crew crews as it were um so rutherford loads goes into the holodecks and loads up training beta 2.5 and uh, introduces um badgie who is like you know the star trek version of clippy yeah. um and of course badgie is, is portrayed by jack mcbrayer and he says can i teach you a lesson <laughs> and uh so yeah uh, they basically they decide they want to do to she says can you do teach you know untethered cargo retrieval you know a spacewalk kind of thing um and uh so they they get you know outfitted into these uh these uh, space suits and um they basically uh um uh, start floating around and, and she tries you know they try to move apart and then their their magnetic boots end up sticking together and they haha look into each other's eyes for a short moment there um and just a side note here i don't know if you if you remember what uh dr Bashir, the guy who played dr Bashir. oh no it was um uh the guy who played the english dude on enterprise said the worst days on the call sheet was when he would read the list and it would say and they walk in with their spacesuits on he said those were the most <laughs> uncomfortable uh uniforms that they were costumes that they had to wear and he used to like you know hopefully see how many pages they had to wear this stupid suit for but apparently they were really hot and uncomfortable anyway so back to our uh, thing they the uh um Rutherford loads up the program. Of course, you know you get the lo- you get Badgie sort of frozen there with a with a loading progress bar. One of my favorite things in in computer use, uh, as they wait for you know the um, to load the program. And of course, you know it takes takes you know a good amount of time. And she says, "Yeah, look at him trying there." You know, like you wouldn't expect the things would be loading and that far in the future. Um, and then uh, he says, "Oh, I forgot to load the the garbage and the, the the random garbage." And so he goes into this you know frozen loading moment again with a big smile on his face and and uh, Rutherford starts losing his his uh, his temper and tells Badgie restart and you know and he bangs him on the side 
thing we call them a stupid glitch and of course you know we see badgie's sort of eyes glint because he because he's obviously taking these insults uh, in and he's obviously that's going to have something to to do with something's going to come of that right and uh anyway so they come back from the dance and and they're like yeah you get along great with you and sometimes you're you're sometimes you're not so annoying or you're so so not annoying and they both you know um boimler and mariner (laughs) treat each other with that thing and they they come around the corner and they find that fletcher has crashed on the floor and and he's like you know gasping at air and and uh he says he claims that somebody zapped him and somebody came in you know and tells a story and you see a flashback of this dark figure stealing making off with the isolinia core and it turns out to be one that fixes the shields and they're like oh they'll never know you know the next time they run a shield diagnostic on the shield they might notice but uh and he's like i'm gonna get court-martialed from the for this and and uh of course boiler says no you're not we'll we'll help you out and they're like you know who could it have been that attacked you and and all three of them at one time go delta shift so they they run into the the I guess the hangout area and uh, the delta confront the delta shifters who call them beta shifters right so the deltas and the betas did we know they were the beta shift no that's the first time they referenced that yeah so and they're you know they're back and they're 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 you know Fletcher's like threatening to fight them and you know yell at them and he's he, some of the things he says come back a little bit later but because uh, no, said Mariner is going to bleep your bleep off yeah bleep your bleep off and and uh, which and it, he said it in such a way that you could pretty much know what he was trying to say yeah. but the uh the best line is the, the the other female on the on the delta shift says you want to dance i'll pick you i'll pick you up at your mom and dad's house <laughs> which i thought was a great line and then they realized that she says like well, hang on a second when did this happen they were just about to get into this hustle and it was during the time that they were all at the choo-choo dance dance including the the beta shifters and the delta shifters were there at the same time so they couldn't possibly have been them right meanwhile we go back to the the main story or the second story uh with uh, um, Captain Freeman and crew uh, on the bridge, you know, standing off against these guys, and and uh, all of a sudden, you know, the the ship gets rattled, and and she says, "Did they fire at us?" And 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 couldn't possibly. They don't have any weapons. And turns out what they did was they reversed their their uh, tractor beam and end up hurling the uh, the garbage at the front of the ship, and they start hurling garbage at them. And and uh, you know, Freeman says, "They're lucky. I'm so I'm so ethical and considerate, and you know, being being very Star Trekky." kind of thing right um and at which point Shax points out that something's wrong with our shields you know da, da, da. um they're fading faster than they should and and uh you know obviously something's wrong so in during the during the whole kerfuffle there the the ship starts to take on some damage and and things break down but and she says we'll have to find a way to end this peacefully we're starfleet damn it you know she refuses to fight with them and meanwhile the the whole uh, crew bridge crew are like you know let's open up all the guns and fire at them and of course you know um uh Shaq says i've been good all week you, you know let me let me have this right um anyway so as as the the ship you know loses power and shields and resources it turns off the non-essential power is is turned off and one of the things of course is the the holodeck and uh so the um you know as um rutherford's yelling computer and program it can't the program can't end and uh so the safety protocols are announced that they're disabled and and badgie gets angry and starts attacking rutherford now that you know the safety protocol 
balls are gone. And he's like, can I teach you a lesson? And, um, yeah, so and he starts attacking and biting it uh, at Rutherford. Um, and so but Rutherford quickly thinks, you know, let's let's switch from the space thing where Tendi's at, at, a, at a loss and switch to launch Bajoran Marketplace. And they end up in, in Bajoran costume and they throw, you know, costumes at each other. And, you know, Badgie starts to get real hostile. I'm going to rip your eyes out. Like, and, fun fact. Fun fact. I'm going to rip your eyes out. <laughs> fun fact. Yeah, yeah. I didn't miss that part. Um, and they're, you know, so uh, back on the bridge, they're begging you for begging for a fight. And, and uh, you know, the, the Captain or Captain Freeman says, you know, evasive pattern Sulu Alpha. And, you know, we want, and, you know, we're not fighting you. And, and the guy says, avoiding damage is fighting. <laughs> and uh, we can talk this out. And, of course, they bleep you is his response about talking this out. Um, anyway, so uh, f- their Fletcher's like, we got to report this. We got to come up with a story about, you know, how the how this happened. And they're all worried about it. And uh, as they're they're talking, they, Boimler notices that the the core is sitting under a blanket on Fletcher's bunk. Um, and, you know, he's like, yeah, those freaking aliens, they, they, they set me up. They're trying to they're trying to frame me. And, you know, uh, and he tells the story of, of what happened was he thought, you know, this is going so slowly. I could speed it up if I was a little smarter. So he plugs himself into the computer and tries to have, you know, the computer make his brain smarter. And what ends up happening, of course, you know, da, 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 typical trope, uh, the core gets some of his brain patterns and the process, the osmosis is reversed and the core becomes sentient and, and that kind of stuff, right? And, he says, and I broke it and I peed my pants and Mar- uh, Mariner says, I, I, I don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, and uh, Boingler gets mad at him and says, all we do is back you up and all you do is lie to us, right? So, and of course, you know, he says, this is a learning experience, well, this has been a learning experience for me and, you know, I think uh, as uh, Mariner saying, yes, that's the thing about Star Trek, we all learn from our, and, and the, the core, which is now sentient and has grown arms and things like that and can move, uh, starts to attack them. Um, yeah, so the, the uh, Fletcher's brainwaves have corrupted the core and it's now become hostile to them. You know, typical cartoon kind of storyline, right? Um, and then he threatens them. He says, help me or I'll tell them it was your, all your idea. And, and, uh, and you know, she's she, Mariner says something to the effect of, like, I would never put somebody in danger, except maybe Boiler. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so anyway, so... Um, and uh, so back to back to uh, the the ship, um, or back to the holograph holodeck, and uh, Rutherford's telling uh, um, Tendi about you know as they're they're trying to escape from the Badge McBriar, uh, Badgie McBriar. Um, you know I was trying to show off, but you know Badgie wasn't really ready, and and you know probably run that. And of course Badgie's you know running up behind them. I'm going to kill you. And uh, he thinks uh, Rutherford thinks well like why is he being affected by except he can't run up the stairs fast enough. These you know millions of stairs that they're running up and uh says uh, i'm gonna freeze you out uh or he says maybe i can freeze him out he turns the whole area into like a frozen landscape and uh whatever and back to fletcher he's like this is where the cue drops right he's like oh we can blame it on cue and and uh at which point uh, mariner and um uh boimler tie him up and they start taking trying to get the uh the sentient uh core to the to the transporter before it grows big because it keeps grabbing things and making itself bigger and and it keeps spewing out some of the things that that 
um, Fletcher has been saying about, you know, his, his brain and his capabilities and stuff like that. And they eventually get it over to an airlock and they open the door of the airlock and they, they throw it out. Um, and, and, uh, they're, as they're, they're dragging this thing off, they're like, you know, they were, instead of all lower deckers, uh, standing together, she says, well, from now on, some lower deckers will, will stand together. Yeah. Um, anyway, so as they, they let the thing out of the, out of the airlock, of course, it drifts off away, drifts off and ends up attacking the Drukmani ship. Um, and, uh, and this is the, where the line that you see in the trailer, we're good, we're so getting fired for this, <laughs> is, is uttered by, by Boimler. Anyway, so meanwhile, you know, uh, uh, Stax is like, I'm targeting the, the warp core. And, and, uh, so, um, finally Freeman says, okay, sure, target the warp core. And it turns out that it's too late. They've waited too long. And now the, the weapons are offline and they all decide they're going to, um, abandon ship. And then at some point, you know, I think, uh, um, Commander Ransom looks out the window and realizes that the, the, the uh, Drukmani ship is being attacked by this this uh, um, strange object that they don't know about, and uh, so um, they end up. I think it ends up destroying the other ship, and and at which point Shaq says, "We did it! I don't know what we did, but we did it!" <laughs> you know. Anyway, so uh, meanwhile, we flash back to to um, Badgie, who's getting really hostile now. He's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna you know slit your friend's throat and dance, take a bath in her blood, <laughs> and then I'm gonna wear your skin." And of course, this is Jack McBrayer talking, <laughs> yeah. right? You know. Um, and then, you know, he finally gets frozen and, and rather he's fighting with Rutherford. They're punching each other and, and, uh, biting at each other. And, uh, so finally he starts to get frozen and he can't, uh, can't handle it anymore. And he's like, and Rutherford says, don't talk. And then he kind of does a, and he, he says, diplomatic immunity. Yeah. And then at the last minute, uh, Rutherford just, uh, basically, uh, uh, sort of does a metaphor that sort of twists his neck and breaks his neck and, and kills, kills Badgie. And then of course, you know, at that point in time, since the, the conflict with the ship is over and everything gets res- restored, uh, the holodeck comes back to normal and uh, Badgie kind of disappears. And then Badgie reappears again a minute later and and he's, you know, hey, I'm Badgie. Can I teach you a lesson? And, and uh, you know, Rutherford and Tendi are like a little puzzled by that, but you know, they, they seem to think that he's forgotten. But we can see from the glint in his eyes and he's like, I, I'm here. I'm always here. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously he's going to be a problem. Maybe it's going to be a problem recurring problem who knows um anyway so uh um Ransom shows up and says, "What's going on? You guys are gonna have to explain. You know what's going on with this, this missing core and and uh, you know all the, the airlock, unauthorized airlock opening, and so on and so forth." Um, and uh, I, obviously, Mariner and and Boimler come up with a story that that uh, ends up getting um, Fletcher, you know, treated as a hero for his you know quick actions, and uh, he gets promoted to and transferred over to the Titan, uh, which of course is Boimler's dream job. Um, and uh, the best line is a uh, you. You know, you got to keep your Mariner says you got to keep your friends close and your enemies way the hell somewhere else. <laughs> so yeah, so the dream gig, and then you know, flash forward six six days later, um, Fletcher's on the calm and and he's been fired for uh, throwing garbage into the warp core. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and and of course, you know, uh, they do the the they start spraying aerosol at the at the the pad that they're talking to him on, and like, sorry, you're breaking up. We can't hear you. And and somebody says he's Earth problem now. Yeah, he's Earth problem now. Yeah, he's Earth problem now. And uh, uh, then um, yeah, and then she sort of says, "Well, come on, let's go, let's go have some fun. I've got the keys to the caption, captain's yacht." And he's going, "You're you're getting in trouble for that." And she says, "Ah, no, I signed him out in your name." <laughs> and that's where the episode ends. There we go. That's my recap of the latest episode. Well, for a guy with a headache, you did great. Thank you. Um, lots of lots of little Easter eggs in this one. Um, the 
the Nausicans. The Nausicans, yep. The, um, there's a triple keychain on the captain's yacht uh, key. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was very funny. Um, they they reference at one point when they make the uh, when Tendy and Rutherford are talking about. I wonder what's aboard the 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 scrap. I, w- I wonder if it contains uh, frozen princesses, which is a, a reference to there's a couple of different episodes, one of TNG and one of Enterprise, where there was uh, uh, cryogenically frozen people that they find. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which again is kind of a Star Trek trope. Um, the Famke Jansen. Ooh, maybe the one the, who plays the one that falls in love with Picard. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, do you remember that one? No, I might be confusing that with the uh, the dolphin one that was Wesley's maybe crush. They they did the the trope a little bit of like this person who's not supposed to be uh you know in love with one of our our cast characters is when they're betrothed to to someone else, right? Yeah, yeah. So that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a premise that they go to more than once. So I might be confusing myself as to which one is which. Well, the Atlantis of Troyes falls in love with Kirk or or has some sort of spell over Kirk, right? Um, and the Titan, of course, is a great reference. Titan is the ship that uh, Riker and Troy are in command of at the end of Nemesis. So that's Riker's ship that that uh, Fletcher gets transferred to. Oh, the Titan. The Titan. So in in theory, he gets fired by Riker. Oh, real? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It was a Riker drop. I heard about that. There's also a, a real flex when Rutherford is talking about the the holodeck, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you can you can do other stuff more than just hanging out." And he just lists out an enormous number of holodeck characters that have shown up on uh, Star Trek series. Yeah, yeah, I think the bunch of them were from the episode where Data is, Data has his group of deep thinkers that he meets with, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's 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 lots of good uh, again. These the, the, it's the it's the di- the details that really do make this show, especially for for the hardcore fans. Like there's there's always lots of little little Easter eggs in there. Right. Um, I was struck by this one as well that we got to the end of the episode and we talked about this. You you know, over the past few weeks, the sort of, you know, how accessible is it? How how not accessible is it? Uh, the first thing that number one fan said to me when it ended was, um, so what's a Q? Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess that ends up being like a, a spoiler for them, right? If they're if they're unaware of, of the Q and the mm-hmm. Q continuum. Yeah. Yeah. And again, for, to be fair, John Delancey, obviously he didn't, it wasn't just TNG. He appeared on uh, some of the other series as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's, again, it just sort of reinforced for me what we had talked about previously that you know some of the humor does rely on knowledge like it, it has to be fed off that right yeah but although it does seem like q will end up being actually revealed uh i guess if you didn't get the reference in this episode in the the second half of the season uh, the character will come up so that's good so even if it's not self-contained within an episode it seems like if you stick with the show even as a newbie you'll start getting more and more of it as you uh, as you go through um and i do kind of wonder like in this episode they they use the well let's blame Q sort of you know idea of getting out of trouble like why don't people do that all the time if you're doing some wacky bananas thing just like just immediately shake your fist at Q you know and just play it off like it wasn't your dumb idea yeah so the name rang a bell Fletcher right Mm -hmm. and so I did a search and there is a um, there's a wiki for all these different characters and references in Star Trek and there was a Fletcher Ensign Fletcher who was on the Enterprise. And Ensign Fletcher um, was actually one of the characters on the Lower Decks episode of TNG. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I don't think it's meant to be the same 
same character, but it's a kind of a funny coincidence that from that specifically from that Lower Decks episode, the character has the same name. There's one thing where they're trying to, uh, Troy and Riker are trying to decide who to promote. It's either Carstairs or Fletcher, and uh, they decide to promote Carstairs over Fletcher because um, Carstairs has better people skills. Hmm. I mean, considering it comes from a, a well, not only, but notably appears in the Lower Decks episode of TNG. I do wonder if it's a little, um, you know, tip of the hat towards uh, towards that naming being there. And and maybe, hypothetically, maybe there will be, you know, many Fletchers uh, in Lower Decks. Yeah, it's it's common enough name. It's it's possible that it's, you know, it is, I just, it's, again, it struck me that that name was familiar that way. And yeah, so it, um, yeah, it's interesting that that was where they went. So speaking of Frozen Princesses, it was Falcon Jensen. Oh, there you go. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, it was a good episode. I mean, like, like uh, I think that the, as we said earlier in, in the Star Trek day, they mentioned a bunch of um, things that get the bomb that get dropped in here. And I think Badgie, Badgie obviously oh, was a great throwback so to funny. to Clippy. Oh, right? yeah. And, and, uh, and the progress bar, you know, from the, <laughs> from the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they're doing a good job with the A, B, and C plots. The last mm-hmm. few episodes, like, they're really doing a good job of bringing them all, telling different stories, getting to know the different characters, but then bringing it all back around. Um, yeah. It would be interesting to see them mix it up a little bit, because we've seen a lot of Rutherford and Tendi, a lot of Boimler and Mariner, and then the bridge crew. It would be interesting to see some of those mixed up. I think, obviously, we did have that a little bit with Boimler working with the bridge crew at one point, um, Mariner working with Freeman, but I, I think some of those, some more variations on that. I mean, obviously, they're sort of playing strong into the Tendi Rutherford sort of blossoming romance kind of thing going on there, and um, and the relationship between Mariner and Boimler is pretty much the central crux of the story, is the, the two contrasting styles. But yeah, I think they're doing a good job with those three different uh, sort of aspects of the storytelling. It'd be interesting to see what they continue to do going forward. I did stumble across a, a, a podcast, or a, not a podcast, but a, a website called Vulture, Vulture, which also does a recap. Um, and the points that they have at the bottom here of their, their episode for this one is, is uh, I will never look at a Starfleet comm badge the same way again, you know? Um, and, you know, let please let Lieutenant Shax destroy a ship, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> the Riker joke was well placed here, it says. Yep. Uh, a glimpse of Commander Ransom in this episode gave me realize how much I like the character and we hope to see more of more of him in, in, in one soon. Yeah. Very funny reference uh, during Star Trek Day where they had Rebecca Romaine on to promote uh, Strange New Worlds and of course she's married to Jerry O'Connell as we just discussed in our previous episode Jerry O'Connell plays yeah. Commander Ransom and so they're both uh, commanders they're both in the same rank mm. on their respective ships and they were talking about you know she sort of said you know yeah I, I um, you know I'm actually the ranking commander in our house and he thinks he is and and uh yeah it's funny to hear the two of them obviously simultaneously working in this world one in live action and one yeah and she she also talked about the fact that she's going to have a backstory in 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 this and um you know what's curious about that is is i think we talked about number one doesn't actually have a name yeah. you know so i wonder if they're going to spoil us by by giving her a name you know it's like giving cosmo kramer a name right? mm, yeah and kramer was so much nicer so much much better of a character before he had a first it's name. hard to imagine that they could go through years of of story telling and not uh, at some point mention her by name that seems unlikely or odd at least but spoilerific too because I mean, like it's going to it's going to ruin the the sort of mystique around her i mean everybody knows that she's played by Majel Barrett but 
that you know yeah. who's in every every show except for this one right i don't i don't know she was in discovery though either was she was she in enterprise was she in, yeah she's in nurse chapel or oh, sorry in enterprise she was a computer oh okay she was still the voice of the computer mm-hmm. okay oh, sorry i got the i got my enterprises mixed yeah, up yeah yeah enterprise <laughs> enterprise enterprise yeah no another good episode only four more to go it's uh it seems like it's it's a blur already it seems like it's crazy to really? think that wow. we're we're past the halfway part uh are we are we going to cross over with a discovery lower decks episode or uh no we should i think there's a week between them like you mean like one after the other kind of thing yeah they they yeah i think basically one ends on a thursday the next thursday is, is the season premiere of the other one so yeah right okay cool all right well, let's jump to our watch list because we're really over time here. yeah so I'll, I'll kick things off so um in honor of chadwick boseman and his passing his tragic passing uh one of the things that has come out of it is that you can get almost every issue of the black panther comic books from the 70s till recent from uh the digital versions for free so if you go to the link we'll put the link in the show notes uh, or if you go to uh amazon because amazon owns comiXology which is sort of the premier uh, place to get your comics digital comics you can get for free 255 different issues of black panther the value of that if you were downloading them and paying for them would be over five hundred dollars wow and it's comprehensive it's it's all the jack kirby stuff from the 1970s it's all of his uh independent series from the 90s right up until the current stuff um really really excellent stuff like really cool storytelling and some of them i have like the actual issues for a bunch of this stuff and at the low price of zero dollars i enthusiastically recommend you know grab all of it read what you want it's not going to cost you anything but a bit of time and uh you know celebrating t'challa and celebrating chadwick boseman's uh wonderful performance is uh you know it's a lovely thing that they've done this to to let people see more of the character and uh and yeah take advantage and these end up linked to your account i'm guessing and then you can view them from there okay yeah yeah they've done over the past six or eight months they've done a bunch of free uh different things marvel in particular has done a whole bunch of free stuff which is um, you know, it's been nice. They've been doing sort of little, you know, six issue runs and stuff like that. Some classic stuff, some modern stuff, so that you can sort of get a taste of some of the series. But this is the most sort of comprehensive free thing they've done in a long time. Uh, as far as the quantity, again, it's it's a lot of content. If you enjoy the character, or even if again you want to get to know the character better, it's it's a crazy amount of content to get for nothing. And you just head over to Marvel to get it, or uh, you know, you can get them. Uh, so Amazon owns Comicsology, so you can go to uh you can't actually download onto the comiXology app you have to actually get it through your amazon account so uh there's a link in the link that we'll have in our show notes the kinja deal story and uh it'll take you right there i'm clicking but nothing's happening what? i mean i opened the link but let's see yeah so you open the link it takes you to the kinja story and then if you click on the 200 more than 200 black panther digital comics link here it should take you yeah unless it did yeah mine shows up it looks kind of like an ad it says free black panther digital comics and then says geo media may get a commission and that one brought it up and there's 256 entries i think if i'm reading yeah. this this correctly and one of them is actually not black panther i found that out in going through really? it yeah one of them is actually it's something else it comes up under mm. that search but yeah 255 books um you can get that way and yeah you basically you have to put them into your shopping basket and then you have to check out and the checkout cost is zero dollars and zero cents and then it just tags them into your if you have a comiXology account it just tags them in there and they show up in your your queue and yeah you can doesn't matter which order you download 
them in you basically can organize them from there into your separate series folders and stuff like that and yeah like i say it's uh it's pretty cool to have all of those stories i i i haven't read all those stories and i think a lot of people wouldn't have read all of those stories so yeah we need yeah it's just weird this link is just not working for me none of these well let me see if i can find it again it's it's conceivable that they've taken it down but i that would suck. Well, a lot of things are coming up green, like as if they're... Oh, there's a free... But is this one here, maybe? Oh, it looks like an ad. I see what you're saying. Yeah, for mine, I was like, where's the link? I was like, oh, it's this thing that looks like a banner ad. It was a little non-obvious for me, at least in, in how it rendered for myself. Does Amazon.com or Amazon.ca will work? Don't know. Let's try. See what happens. Get a fingerprint. I'll try the .ca one. Yeah, that seemed to have worked. Okay. Um, What's next? My pick is a YouTube video called uh, Comedians in Space Killing Klingons, which is uh, a riff... <laughs> on the Jerry Seinfeld comedians and cars getting coffee. And in this case, oh, right. it takes uh, classic uh, TOS original series footage and uses deep fake technology to put the faces of Jerry Seinfeld, Adam Sandler, David Spade, Tiffany Haddish, and Ken Jeong as characters on the Enterprise, more specifically replacing like, uh, you know, Kirk and McCoy and Spock and Sulu and Uhura. And it is kind of scarily good. Like, it's not perfect. I'm not gonna lie but you look at it and say my gosh it, the technology's gotten really good to make this thing you know kind of passable yeah i'm totally gonna watch that when we're done all right um my pick is a quick one I, again i was watching all those trailers and i hadn't even know didn't even know about this show but uh it starts stars the girl from i can't remember her name now the actress millie bobby from brown Stranger, millie bobby brown yes yeah, her uh as uh, this young girl in the trailer you don't really know who she is at the very beginning but she turns out that she is the sister of uh, mycroft and sherlock holmes and uh, the name of the show is a uh, name of the movie or show or whatever it's called is Enola Holmes. Yeah. So yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Yeah, coming to so Netflix, it does. It looks really good. Yeah, there's a number of shows that that uh, things that I watched on the on the. I, I just stumbled onto this this link on IMDb that showed popular trailers, and it was just like one thing after another, Dune, and then um, you know, No Time to Die, and so on and so forth. And yeah, so I ended up watching like ten or fifteen different trailers in a row. So, and this was one of them. It just stood out as a something I would want to see because it's Sherlock Holmes related. Anyway. All right, well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at the devil the hair. All right, and Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. All right, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and I'm on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
long potential. time. Uh, so should we have a quick discussion about Mulan? Uh, yeah. Well, first I'm uh, first we I'm going to do a real time uh, real time update. I, I put in the link to the uh, Star Trek wines. Star Trek wines. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty bucks for a bottle of of wine. What? Fifty bucks. But that's a Canadian. Or no, a... I think this is American dollars. Yeah. So how do you get it into? Canada? You cannot. It's, it's only available in the United States. So Jaime, you're going to be have to be our uh, go to guy for all Klingon <laughs> wine acquisitions. Just acquire and then and then export. Yeah. Yeah, it's not cheap. Like if you go through this link, there's like all kinds of stuff. You can order like multi packs, one that has all four of the different bottles, uh the different and they look great. Like they I must admit it as a collector's item, they're pretty kind of cool, but not cheap. If you want to get the four pack that has sort of one of each of the the Sauvignon Blanc, the Zinfandel, the Chateau Picard, Bordeaux and the the blood wine. It's 190 bucks. Hmm. And then if you want to get really high end, if you scroll down on the page, you can get the uh, Chateau Picard show prop replica engraved 12 bottle 12 bottle wood crate. What? So it's like it's like you've ordered it straight from Chateau Picard. Chateau Picard, really? Got to admit, as nerd things go, this is pretty baller. Mm-hmm. Like again, it's high class. Looks really good. I wonder if it's actually. Uh, I, I don't know enough about wine, but I wonder if it's actually quite good. Mm. What Cabernet Sauvignon? Well, I mean, the I mean, these are actually looks like they are real French wines. It's not like it's mm-hmm. you know swill. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, let's talk about Moulin quickly because we have talked about this in the past. Few pods this uh of course this milan movie that was supposed to be out in the theaters it was a big huge production cost a couple hundred million bucks to make and it mm-hmm. was supposed to be this big you know summer summer event movie for disney and in the end they decided uh you know what it's not going to work out so we're going to put it on disney plus so now you can get it there if you're willing to pay this premium fee for it so it's there and uh i have no idea how well it's doing i haven't really seen any stories about that but there has been a controversy that's come out of this because apparently it was filmed in part in a region of China that is uh, known for having essentially concentration camps filled with Uyghur uh, Muslim Chinese. Mm. And so if you, I guess it, it, people noticed it because it was going around on social media. People were saying, oh, it actually says special thanks to eight government entities in the Xinjiang region of China. Xinjiang mm-hmm. is where there is believed to be over a million Muslims, mainly from the Uyghur minority detained in uh, detention camps with reports of brutal re-education techniques, forced sterilization, and even death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says in the credits, filmed extensively in Xinjiang, um, which the subtitles refer to only as Northwest China. So there are some places online, there are people on social media who are calling for uh, a boycott of the film, a boycott of Disney+, Plus, um, for uh, some sort of acknowledgement from this huge corporation that seems like it's pretty cozily getting into bed with um, a rather uh, complicated political situation in China. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it sort of spilled from being this sort of, you know, bit of a mess because it was supposed to be a big movie to now turning into a, a bit more of a controversy. What uh, what do you guys make of all this? So it's banned by the Chinese government or? Uh, no, I don't think it is. I, I think that this movie was made in cooperation with the Chinese government. Oh, that okay. I think it was kind of the point was they 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 it's supposed to be set in China it was filmed in China it's including a lot of um, Chinese cast I think it, I think the issue that people are having is that they Disney sort of 
knowingly did all this, including filming in this location, either turning a blind eye or with the knowledge, um, a forethought of, of what's happening to the Uyghur people in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a super complicated one because yeah. of the... I'm not familiar with that region. Um, I don't know if it was weird coincidence and, and you know, that, that happens to be an area that would make sense for scouting the movie or if it was uh, more manipulated from the the agency side to say, hey, you know what gives us good PR for this region that is going to have bad PR otherwise? Let's have this movie filmed here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm unclear um, whether it's unfortunate coincidence or or more manipulation on the agency side. But nevertheless, I mean, it's, I think it's fair to, to agree with folks to say that, yeah, I mean, Disney knowingly got into this, right? They didn't have to. They could, they could have shot it in Vancouver and Toronto like everybody else does, right? Um, right. I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's, that's a rough one. Yeah. And, and as the story points out that you'll, you'll find in our show notes, the um, the star of this, whose name is Lu Yifei, she uh, apparently came out and said that she would support a boycott of the film because of the crackdown on democracy in Hong Kong. Oh, that's pretty interesting. I, I, I normally wouldn't expect that since I, I assume uh, they might have family in China and it gets real dangerous to, to go against the party line. So that, mm-hmm. that one's, again, very, very, very interesting. Yeah. She said she, this was last year. She posted an image on Weibo, which is the it's basically their, their version of social media. Uh, I support Hong Kong police. You can beat me up now alongside the hashtag I support the Hong Kong police. Um, yeah, and basically talking about how there's been this sort of whole movement around trying to leverage the um yeah it says there really hasn't been a lot of a lot of uh traction on that front but i wonder if there will be any kind of traction i i, I don't know if many people will be uh dissuaded or will think harder about their choices and some of the political ramifications but it does open kind of an ugly kettle of fish for a company like disney that does not really enjoy controversy or wading into the mire a lot um you know they mm-hmm. they fancy themselves very much as a family company with you know uh you know trying to sort of stay stay above the fray uh, this is very much in the fray for them mm. i don't know does it change your perspective i mean this is a good question i guess on a on a broader sense if you knew that they were going to places like xinjiang to make movies if you knew that i mean obviously courting the chinese market is something that every business does in its own way now it's in there's just too many people there and too much money to you can't be ignorant enough to think that you and you know lots of organizations aren't in bed with the chinese government in different ways but um does it change what you think about the movies or the the the, the products that you consume knowing that there is this sort of air around some of the the products mm. i mean in this i guess this expands even to the bigger conversation of you know uh you know child labor in other countries or you know what i mean like there's all kinds of very complex things to try and wrap your head around when it comes to the products that we enjoy the way that we consume information all these different things this one's just in a very overt way right mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a that's a rough one um i don't know i i'll have to think about this one a little bit i think first first blush it certainly makes me say well i certainly wouldn't pay the 30 dollars now right like and then maybe not even disney plus just have it you know like oh, i'll watch it when it comes out on cable or something you know mm-hmm. on a sunday afternoon in the background and it's essentially free so i'm uh, i guess i'm probably participating in dollars but very minimal dollars at that point right it's yeah it's advertising or, or, and not but does it motivate right? you enough to say i'm just not going to watch it or i'm going to tell people actively hey maybe no one should watch it you know 
right now I'm, 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 I don't know, maybe I'm just not feeling the, the fiery passion of, of anger, but, uh, it, it's mm-hmm. giving me pause. So maybe I'll feel differently after sleeping on it for a bit. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm hard pressed to watch the movie as it is. So yeah, this was the tipping point for you. You were before you were like, not really. Well, now you're like, really not really. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to say. Right. So yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. Like I say, it, it went from sort of a story about, you know, uh, a complicated financial situation to now a complicated political situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and we, we things like this come up frequently, not all the time, but you know, controversial movies or controversial productions and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yep. Anyway, I gotta call it a night. Okay. All right. I don't know about you, you have to go chase your boys, uh, Jonathan. One of whom has to be up for school by six thirty tomorrow morning. Oh, he's so. got school tomorrow. He's got. Has his... the other one gone to school this week? Uh, no. So this tomorrow is the for the students in our area who are going to actually attend in class studies mm-hmm. there is an orientation day where they will basically walk them through the procedures of what to do oh, when you okay. get there and where to go yeah. and what you can do and what you can't do and all that stuff so uh right yeah they're doing that friday morning and then they're starting class earnestly next week uh so one of my sons is volunteered to go back and is interested in attending class in class and the other one has decided he prefers the online learning model so we'll, we'll get a little bit of both although even the ones who are attending class it's still only uh a few hours a week in class you're still mostly online learning too so hmm. yeah interesting mm-hmm. all right talk to you later all right take care guys save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or seven up all with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.